0: Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience.
1: Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. And we're up, Chrissy D, in the place to be. What's happening, baby?
2: Thank you for having me, my friend. My pleasure. I'm glad you wore that shirt. Oh yeah, I, I was know. gonna wear one just like it, like this, like no. Miami vibes. <laughs> I um, where did you get that? This is from a company called the Roosevelts, R S V L T S, and um, they sent me a bunch of shirts, and I got that kind of body where I'm like somebody said once that I had leading man face best friend body a casting director which was crushing but the casting but, director said but that, an yeah. accurate description yeah and I was like oh that's nice so here's the
1: thing though yeah. you can change your body you can't change your face yes that's the you truth. Have leading man face is a great thing to have yeah the I, rest
2: of it is like workable I have these like like no matter since I've been a little kid I've just had like these like puffy nipples even when i was like skinny and ripped i just always had just nice nipple fat Mm. and this shirt what i've learned is wearing shirts with a lot of patterns like this distracts from the nipple fat i actually was flying out here yesterday and i was wearing this green shirt and i when i went to the and i was wearing a book bag and when i went to the bathroom my tits were like pointed out like this i was like i gotta change my shirt Mm. and then i just changed my shirt in the public bathroom at jfk and then i just threw that shirt out in the garbage wow was that bad well, I think I make it worse in my head, probably. I just usually, I've been trying to do, be better. You know, like good wolf, bad wolf, like that ancient Native <laughs> yes. American thing. I've, yeah. been trying to, I've been trying to not feed that bad wolf. I've been trying to feed the good wolf over the last two weeks, but it's harder, it's very hard for me to feed the good wolf because I usually just get up every day and I'm like, you piece of shit asshole loser, Chris.
1: I honestly think that's better than getting up and going, Chris, you're the fucking man.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've ever said that once about myself in any situation, even comedy. I've never—I'm just always like— I just always feel like a dummy after almost <laughs> everything I do.
1: <laughs> it's not that, uh, it, I know it seems like it's bad, but it's not the worst thing in the world because it makes you work a lot. It, yeah. It makes you work harder.
2: Yeah, I always, like today I went to the gym hard, hour and a half, as hard as I could, um, tried to eat right, you know, stay focused. And uh, I was in there, I did it, but uh, as time is going on, I'm 37 now, I got three kids, I'm I'm kind of just realizing like, when I, if I'm going to get in shape again, it's really, I'm doing it for other guys because women don't care. My girl doesn't care. Any woman has always been like, no, you look big. You look like a, like a, like a Metro sexual Viking or something. You don't, you look bigger, but guys are always like nice tits. Really? I can see that you're, you know, I can see you got back fat. So when, I, <laughs> when I'm like trying to work out hard. Is uh, that a compliment? <laughs> I don't know. You guys are like, bro, nice
1: back fat. Yeah, Imagine if that was like something you cultivated. Yeah. Be, you remember like Rubinesque women back mm-hmm. in the day in mm-hmm. like the 1800s or whatever it was. I guess it was earlier than that. They used
2: to be hot. The yeah. big, big giant ladies yeah. who ate a lot because it was rare to get that much food. Well, yeah. I mean, I back in the day. I mean, I feel like it was if you were like if you had a lot of weight on you, it's because you were rich. The rich, Imagine. the rich used to be, and then the poor were skinny. Now it's the opposite. Right, now but the,
1: with the food shortages, what if like getting back fat comes back into fashion? Honestly, like we got food shortages coming according to Biden. If that happens and everybody gets real skinny. Maybe like having some back fat would be a thing. People are like, dude, nice back fat. What have you been eating?
2: I'll, yeah, I'll be one of those hot 40 under 40 guys. Yeah, just yeah with Just yeah, back yeah. and nipple fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been one of those things. And you know what it is with me? You know, I think what happens is because I look like I could potentially be in shape. I'd rather just be all the way fat because what happens with me is when, it's a, usually a letdown for women because they'll – multiple times in my life I've been hooking up with a girl and they thought this or that about my body and then I'll – take my shirt off with the lights on it and they'll go oof something like wow. that or, or a they, couple of girls they make like, that noise one girl she was like I, I swear one time i was i was hooking up with this girl and i took my shirt off and she went oh and then <laughs> 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 And I just Fuck. Stu- And I just stood there like kind of like looking down and then she, you know, we turned the lights off and we had, I guess, relatively good sex. Maybe not. Actually, no, I will say no, <laughs> we didn't because I've noticed I when I was single, I would hook up with, you know, relatively good amount, healthy amount of women, but almost exclusively never hook up with the woman a second time. So I think that my performance in the bedroom isn't really that great. Well, were you, were you trying to follow up to date these ladies again? Yeah, yeah, I would. And they I, would just ghost you? Yeah, you. I I was the guy who pretty consistently got ghosted. It got so bad, I, there's this porn star, Owen Gray. You know Owen Gray? No. He's the only guy porn star I watch, shout out Owen Gray, Pornhub. <laughs> um, he's the only guy, like if you looked at my search history, like my girl Jasmine, my mother my children, my girlfriend, she's multiple times like sat me down and be like, if you're gay, tell me you're gay and i'm like no. why do you... <laughs> And i'm like why do you think i'm gay and then she's like cuz when i look at your search history cuz we share a computer she's like all i see is this man Owen Gray and i'm like if you can believe this i'm watching him mm-hmm. to try to learn from him to have sex with you better and then she's like i don't believe you (laughs) because he does he's just a pretty you know well-physique guy tatted up but the way he has sex with these women and goes down on them and kind of passionately makes love to them Mm. i was like i need to incorporate this but it doesn't it really doesn't work it doesn't plan but is it like a self-image issue like what what do you think about it is well first first of all every time i go down on a woman i get a sore throat so that always, pretty much exclusively. Why don't you put always. like a
1: Ricola in your mouth before you do it?
2: I've tried everything. I also have a short tongue, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> is, so I, it doesn't. So I always my tongue, which from what Owen Gray does is he he uses a lot of his tongue, and my tongue doesn't really uh, it doesn't have the um, endurance because it's so short. Like I uh. I I all my friends when I were teenagers, everyone went and got their tongue pierced, and I was going to do it. I was brave enough to do what? it. What? Yeah, and then the tongue guy. Wait went, a minute. Yeah. All your guy friends got their tongue pierced? It was a big thing. Me too. You, you did it too?
0: I, I did not almost all my guy friends did. What
2: what happened there?
0: I mean, I was on metal bands, so I've kind of been leaning towards that crowd. That's uh, weird.
2: Yeah. No. I, Jimmy, I, I, you I, kind of look like John Travolta. Did anyone ever tell you that? Yeah. Did people tell him that all the time? Not recently, but uh, yeah. You do have a, because I've never head. seen you, I've heard of you, but there's really no pictures of you online. I was, huh? while I was watching Owen Gray last night, I tried to hey, well, incorporate okay. you, <laughs> and I never, but you do have a John, but not, uh, but I mean like a in shape, good looking. Thank you. What did Gad said you look like uh, Alec Baldwin. No, it was Bill Maher. Bill Maher yeah. said yeah. it. Because yeah. John Alex Travolta Bull. now looks like if you and Joe had a baby. That's what yeah. John Travolta just looks saying. like right now. <laughs> if you just put John's face on Joe's head. There you go. I met John Travolta once. You guys ever meet him? Yeah, I met him. Yeah, yeah, well, I met you... him
1: at Fear Factor. His wife, uh, uh, Kelly Preston, at the, since passed, uh, she was on the show.
2: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, David Letterman in 2013, and it was first time on television, doing anything, and it was a big deal. For me, not only get stand-up on, on Letterman, but John Travolta was the other guest. So I remember like that week, like my mother was just telling all her friends, she was like, I'm, go- I'm gonna go see John Travolta on Letterman. And I was like, also like your son is doing stand-up, but she never, <laughs> she just cared about tra- Travolta. She was like, I can't believe, like she was kept picking out different dresses. She was like, what do I wear? And so I did, and my mom and dad who were divorced, it was one of the first times, because before I had my kid, my first child so before i had my first child my mom and dad never talked they had like a divorce and they just you know especially as i got over 18 they were just like we don't talk anymore so it was one of these things where like it was the first time where like my mom and dad were going to be in the same room <laughs> and and i'm so it's like all nerve-wracking and i'm about to go do the show i bought a suit the night before from this place joseph a bank it was in like a strip mall in siosset long island and it was like three sizes too big so i just had this oversized suit on I was, like, really nervous, and I go down, and John Travolta's on the couch, you know, um, crushing it. He's John Travolta, and then I'm about to go up next to do stand-up, and he, um, the, you know, the commercial break happens, and he's walking out, and I'm standing there, like, nervous with my 3X suit, and he stops, and he looks at me, and he goes, you have on a beautiful suit, I was like, thank you. I was like, I feel like it's too big. And he was like, no, it's beautiful. I was like, oh, yeah. And my mom's sitting right there fucking dying that Travolta's like looking at me. She's like trying to smell his breath. And so (laughs) Travolta says to me, he goes, what do you do? do? What's your talent? I'll never forget. He goes, what's your talent? I was like, oh, uh, I'm a stand-up comic. And he was like, oh, very nice. And then he was like, you seem a little nervous. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then he puts (laughs) his And then he puts his hand on my chest, like a, just puts his hand right on my chest, like right, like Jesus, in the, right in the right, right in the middle, right in the heart, right on the heart. Ho- no, seriously, like right in the middle. And 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 I was in my head because I was like, you know, I got fat nipples, so I was like, I hope he doesn't think like you know I'm not jacked. And then and then he and then he goes, um, why is your heart beating so fast? And I was like, because you're you're John Travolta, you're massaging my nipple. And, <laughs> and he goes, don't it, it was he goes, don't be nervous about what you're about to do. And he goes, you've done it already. And I said, no, I'm actually going on after you. I haven't done it yet. He goes, no, you've done it already. It's over. And I was like, are you a stupid, no, are you dumb fuck? I was like, uh, (laughs) I was like, I'm going on next. And he was like, the work is done. And then I I was just like, "What, what do you mean? And then the whole time his hand is on my chest. He goes, I'm sure that Mr. Letterman had to vet you personally. I'm sure that you've had to practice this set a thousand times before you got to this moment. So the work is over. So now you just have to go be in the present. That's your only job is to be in the present because the the set that you're about to do is done. You've completed the work already. Now it's just living the moment, which is the fun part of the hard part of the journey. But the hard part is over. All these words, and my heart is like slowly going down. Like I swear I was getting like very, very calm. And he goes, I'm going to stand right here and I want to watch you live this moment. He goes, this is rare that I get to see this at the level I'm at in my career to see someone get to begin their journey in entertainment. He goes, I'm going to see her. I want to watch every second of this. I'm going to be here for you. And I, and with that, the Letterman people are like, Chris, you're on next and give me that little push. David Letterman, this whole time I hadn't even listened. David Letterman was already being like, and our next guest, you know, stand-up comic, you know, making his uh, uh, appearance, making his national television debut on the David Letterman show. I didn't even hear any of the part. I just hear, please welcome Chris DiStefano. And with that, I'm going out. Yeah, look at how big my fucking suit is. This Hold is on, play it out, play it out. Go, go from the beginning. Stefano.
1: So you, you had just been touched
2: by John, John Travolta. He is in that back corner. Literally, if you look closely, I almost have a boner. And look at how big that suit is. Thank you. Oh, it looks good. Thank you. How you guys doing? I'm from New York. You can tell. I put on the New York accent. That was dumb. I pronounce our R's. It's not New York. It's New York. Just skip the r always we don't need to, I don't yeah. to do this to you yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's all good and um <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst thing ever I, I know anybody who wants to have like a viewing party with their oh, special i'm like
1: what uh, the fuck is that i don't want to explain that to me i've been invited to those before
2: i don't ever i just had a, a netflix special come out Weshi on netflix and they were like do you want to do a viewing <laughs> congratulations b- thank you way. and i was like do you want to do a viewing party they were like do you want to do a viewing party i said absolutely not i said as a matter of fact i don't even want you to tell me what date it's being released I don't want to know anything about it. I literally, I still, I won't watch it at all. I'll watch it for myself to, you know, try to get better. But have other people make them do that? Never in a million years. Not in a million years. Just like I don't want you to come to my birthday party. Like, I don't yeah. need that at all. You don't need to celebrate me.
1: Well, a b- birthday party is not the worst thing in the world. But there's something about a spe- a birthday party is for everybody. Right. you know you sing happy birthday it takes five seconds you know yeah. but the the party's for everybody right. but a special thing is like look at me no zero. come watch me yeah it's me everybody by the way how did you like me here nope. i am
2: it's not f- i don't want to do it at all i don't even like watching the edits I'm going I have
1: to edit a special, ugh, I fucking hate it.
2: Well, the the Netflix special, what was awesome about that experience was, is because I was going to put it on YouTube. I was like, everybody was saying no to me. Netflix said no, HBO said no, everyone was saying no, no, no. So I said, you know what, fuck this, I'm just going to put it on YouTube, self-produce it, directed by homeless pimp Mike Lavin, who does all my podcasts, great guy, and we said, we're just going to do this together, I'm going to give it to YouTube, I don't care, whatever the views are, they are, everyone's saying no, fuck everybody. And at the end of the special I even say I'm not giving this is on YouTube thank you for the for the to the fans for giving me a, a, a career here I'm putting the shit on YouTube but if Netflix wants to buy it you know I'll sell it to you And then so I just made it and then we were going to put it on YouTube in like 3 days and then my agent was like let me just send this to Netflix And so when we sent it to Netflix they got back to us in like 12 hours they're like we'll buy this And then I got on a call with them and I was like, look, I know it's going to sound insane what I'm about to say. I said, because I absolutely respect you, Netflix. I really, really do. I said, but I'm happy with where my career is now and where it's hopefully going. I said, so I will give this to you, but no notes at all. It has to be as is. Damn. And I said, I know that. And I even said, I said, I know I'm not, you know, a legendary comic or anything like that just yet. And I know that I maybe don't have any power to you, I get that. I said, but I'm so comfortable with just having the career that my fans are giving me with completely avoiding corporations up until now. So I will give this to you, but you have to let me put it up, no edits, and let me keep 15 minutes of it to put on my own YouTube. And that's it. And they were like a little shocked. They were like, are you okay? And then I said, uh, very respectfully, I said, I don't think I'm bigger or better than you. There's none of that's true. I said, I have the life that I want and the career I want. Without you guys right now, I said, so I'm going to continue focusing on that. But I would love to have it on your platform, but I just want the final say in everything. And they gave it to me and they they put it on and it was on the trending now page for, for a pretty long time. And I think that's because of the podcast fans and the Internet fans like pushed it. Over it didn't make the top ten or anything, but I'm you know pretty proud of it. I think John Travolta. top ten of what you know how like Netflix top ten it makes it into the <clears throat> Netflix does a top ten. Oh, these are the top ten like most viral. Uh, Shows we have,
1: yeah, but come, dude, they have hundreds of thousands of shows. They're, yeah, I guess that's right. I, I mean, you can't think like
2: that. I fed the bad wolf again. Yeah,
1: the, the fuck. fuck that wolf. Yeah, you can't think like that at all. The top ten, like, what, what, why?
2: What was what, what it? Why do you care? I know. I mean, I'm a, well because I go through. I go through phases <clears> where yeah. sometimes I care, sometimes I don't.
1: Well, I've, I was fascinated by that because you're this good-looking guy. You're a very good-looking guy, and I, you. I pay attention to your stuff. And you're, you've all this anxiety talk, anxiety talk. And I'm like, yeah. you know how many fucking ugly people would be so pumped to look like you? I Do you know how many people like like your successful comedy career, you know, you've got a family, you got a lot yeah. going on. You you got all this positivity, but you have some sort of weird thing.
2: I think that there's a, a thing in me where I, I always feel um I always feel like um like the like uh, like an impersonator, you know, like, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, an imposter where yeah. I'm like, but I felt that way since I've been a little kid. Yeah,
1: but uh, everybody feels that way.
2: Yeah, so I think what happens with me, what, what everything, well, hold on, let, uh, do you want me to finish the Travolta story? Oh, to, sure. Well, sure. I didn't there's, know there was more to it. Well, yeah, well, the reason why there's more to it is because Travolta, I told you, he goes, <laughs> he t- kept telling me, you know, I'm going to watch this moment and all that. And it was the most... Um, calm I ever was, still to this day, doing TV. Like, I was more calm the first time doing that five-minute Letterman set than I was doing a whole Netflix special or whatever. I was so calm because of his words. And then when you came backstage, was he naked? When I came backstage, I was looking to see him and he was gone. And I said to mm-hmm. my mom, I was like, mom, where's John Travolta? She goes, he left immediately. As soon as you said, hi, my name's Chris, he walked away, left, went on, he, so he just did that. For you? For me. Which I, at first I was angry. I was like, "Where's John?" And then as time went on, I was like, "Oh, that's the nicest thing anyone could have ever done for me." And and what I learned in that experience was, yeah, actually, I liked I liked John Travolta, and um, you know, um, he was cool. And also, you know, getting up to that moment, he was right because what I for, had forgotten is I had been practicing that Letterman set for you know however many months, and then you know you, you have to get um the bookers have to come and watch you. And they kept watching me do the set for, I do it 10 times, 20 times, and every time it would be good and they wouldn't book me. This went on for months. And then finally one night I did it and I bombed with this same five minute set. Like really, like a full zero from start to finish, just eating it, sweat down my back, on the top of my ass crack, like a full bomb where you're like, oh God, and I go get home, and I have a missed call from my manager, and I'm like, and I'm like, I blew Letterman, like it's it's not going to happen. He goes, no, they're booked you for next Tuesday, and I was like, what? So then I go do the show, the Travolta thing happens, and when I'm leaving, I say to the booker, I said, I was, I thought I wasn't going to get this because I. F- bombed like so hard with it i thought you guys were like that's it he goes no that's why we booked you because you had never been on television before we needed to know that you could fail gracefully and that you weren't gonna bomb on national television and then implode so we saw how how gracefully you bombed and just made (laughs) fun of it so it was kind of one of those things even though it's not that's just it's not even it's more than comedy it's like i've learned now like oh you fail you're just gonna fail so and it's the way you fail so but i think Reason I bring that up is because I think that only now in my life is my anxiety going down to a place that's like I don't want to say non-existent, but it's so much lower. So it's manageable. It's so much more manageable. I, two things happened. <clears throat> One, the my anxiety, my Pandora's box of anxiety, got opened on nine eleven because on nine eleven, my mother worked in the second tower that was hit. She survived, but at that moment, I went to an all-boy Catholic high school and at that moment i the, the teachers just came in and said boys the towers have went the towers have went down we didn't even know about the planes. he just said the towers have collapsed the twin towers have collapsed and we could see it out my window from where my high school was in queens you could the faces downtown so we could see it see the smoke you know and i knew my mother worked on like the 50th floor of the of one of those towers so i just said she's dead and trying to call her phone lines busy phone lines busy Nothing is, you know, I can't get through to her. And I just started to like hysterical cry, like this emotion, like it was literally like a box opened up in a part of my brain that was like all your fears out that you've been trying to suppress since you were a little kid out because I was like, she's dead. So I I just started like crying and I got like so angry. And this kid, Frank started to laugh at me. So I broke a chair right over his head, like in the middle of all this at like 9.55 in the he morning. He was
1: laughing at you because your mother was dead? Well,
2: but I, he didn't know. He, he thought, he was like, you know, we're an all-boy Catholic high school. He didn't know anything about, I'm just crying in history class. So he's like, look at Stefano, he's a fucking idiot. You know, you would laugh at, on September 10th, I would laugh at him if he was crying because it was like, what What are you doing, you lunatic? And nobody knew the significance of it just then. And I hadn't said, oh, I think my mom said, I just was thinking about it. I was like, oh my God, like, she's dead. And so I just got mad and I broke the chair over his head and you in all-boy catholic high school is very very strict i mean you would get detention if you showed up if you had a top button unbuttoned uh, you know you have to have the buttons buttoned to the top of the tie you would get detention for that so now i just put somebody in a coma so now it's was like, he really in a coma uh, he looked like he was i mean that kid was on the floor not moving because i fucking you know and i would be honest i at that point i was on i was doing d balls i was doing a little steroids which could be contributing to the uh, tit fat, I have now. But, <laughs> but I would. You were doing steroids um, in high school? I was 17. Yeah, I was trying to. I just wanted to be that, you know, we were idiots. I'm from like deep in Brooklyn, Queens, like, you know, New York idiots. So we all, we had, everybody was doing D balls, Winstrel. Jesus. Yeah, like crazy. So, and so I just as mad broke the chair over his head. And, you know, my mother is a very intellectual woman, very smart, very sophisticated. And my father is like a a criminal. He was in and out of jail before I was born and when I was a little kid for my whole life. Just in and out of prison, always. You know, guy from the Bronx, Italian guy, kind of one of those guys, never knew what he did for a living. That's Mm. how I know, like growing up, when I would grow up, be like, "You you know, I'd hear somebody say, you know who my father is, you know who my uncle is. I'd be like, they're probably not anybody because I feel like I'm have this life a little bit. And I would never share that with anybody. I don't think that's cool. As a matter of fact, it's like sad when you have to like think about like, what is, what are my dad and his friends up to? Did they hurt somebody? Like what, right. what's going on? So anytime I would hear that growing up, it'd be like, you're a pussy, you're, you're, a, you're a wannabe. But the wannabes are the guys you gotta watch out for. Cause those are the guys, a real Italian mafia guy would never probably hurt you unless you hurt them. But these wannabes will like try to prove something. So I, my father was, I guess a real guy. And he, uh, and you know, I got through, I, I, the principal on Tuesday, September 11th, because again, I just hit somebody over the head with a chair, was like, You're out of here, DeStefano, get the fuck out. And then I'm like, Wow, okay. So I go home, I get home, and I'm trying to call my mother, trying to call my mother. And dude, outside, a lot, see, the thing is like living in 9 11, like actually being in New York City there, it's like there was a lot of things that like didn't make the news. Like right away, like again, all-boy Catholic high school, mostly cops and fire in my school, like the immediate like racism that was completely displaced. I saw, like when we left the school, there was a, a grocery store, uh, like where everyone would get their bagels and coffees and stuff in the morning. Indian, like Sikh Indian, you know, turbans. Mm-hmm. They, uh, this kid threw a fucking garbage can right through their window and was like yelling at them, like, you fucking did this, you're gonna pay for this. I was like, shut up, dude, this kid, John. I was like, you weigh 110 pounds, you have fucking psoriasis, shut up, what are you gonna do, you know? So, but he, th- I remember that and I was like, wow, this, this is crazy, like what's happening. And then going home, trying to call my mother, trying to call my mother, can't get in touch with her, can't get in touch with her. And then I'm just preparing. I called my aunt who lived, who worked in Brooklyn and she's like every, my mom has four sisters, She's like, every one of your aunts, everybody checked in with me beside your mother. We don't know where she is. And I was like, oh my God. So I get home, this is like three o'clock in the afternoon. I get home, I run up the stairs because all I want to do is like go lay in my mom's bed and like smell her scent or just something like I was like panicking. And that's what I want to do is like, if I can smell my mom, then she's there. Like my sense, if, if I get the senses of her, she's here and I'll calm down. She'll calm me down, even though in my, my brain's telling you she's dead, but just smell her. So i open the, my apartment door and she's standing there right there. And I was like, and I thought it was a ghost. Like I genuinely in my brain was like, she's a ghost. I'm having like a vision and I went to go hug her thinking my, I was gonna hug through her and then it was her. And I was like, and then she had blood all down her knees. And I was like, oh my God, like what happened? what she was like i got out of the building and then we walked across the brooklyn bridge and then i got on a bus she's like and i fell off the bus in brooklyn i was like you escaped 9-11 and then you fall off the bus in brooklyn she was like there was a pothole there so she fall. she has blood and i'm like and then right away i turned into that kid john i was like i'm gonna fucking i'm going to war for you mom you know like that anger shit you know the winstrel anger the d-ball anger and so i didn't tell my mom though that i just, crud, you know, that Frank might be dead, too. I didn't say that. And then Wednesday, all of school is closed. So, you know, I'm just thinking about, shit, What, how, what's going to happen on Thursday if school opens? All schools closed. And um, all New York City schools were closed. And then Thursday morning, I got a decision to make because the principal had said I was kicked out. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to go to school. So I go back to school and I try to walk in like nothing happened. I was like, maybe they forgot about that. It's a national tragedy. And then brother Rob is right there. He goes to Stefano, get the fuck out of here. You're still expelled. I was like, all right. I mean, the country's at war now. I mean, my mother fell off the bus in Brooklyn. You're still going to expel me? And he was like, you're expelled. I was like, how's Frank? He was like, you're expelled. I was like, okay. So I'm like, shit. My mother's all upset, of course. She's still shaking from 9-11, as many people were. I'm like, I got to call my dad. And again, my dad, great guy, my father, really great guy, but, you know, a street guy, like a Bronx real street guy. So I call my father from a payphone, and I'm like, dad, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I let you down. But I, you know, on Tuesday I was just worried about my mom and this kid started laughing at me. I was crying and I I broke a chair over this kid, Frank's head. And and now they, they threw me out. They threw me out of school. And he goes, uh. He goes, did anybody see you do it? I was like, yeah, I did it in front of the whole class. He was like, okay. He was like, um, I'll be down there in about 30 minutes. I was like, You live on, he lives in Staten Island. You know, traffic to Queens at 930 in the morning would take like two hours to get there. Somehow he shows up in like 45 minutes. Where I'll never forget, wearing like a New York Yankees batting practice jacket, like a, like a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, huge, chain on, just ready to go. And he goes, um, you do everything I tell you to do. I was like, Okay so we you need a meeting with a principal you know of a school especially any school but we walk into the principal's office to the secretary and the secretary uh is like can i help you and my dad's like yeah i got a meeting with the principal and she's like you're not on the list sir he goes i'm going in and then he just opens his door and the principal's on the phone and my dad goes can i speak to you can we speak to you i'm chris's dad and the principal's like um you need a meeting sir and he goes and your son's expelled And he goes, uh, okay. And then he hangs up the principal's phone. He just puts his fingers on the receiver. And he goes, you're not on the phone anymore. So we can have a conversation. And I was like, oh, my God. So it's all true. So I'm just sitting there like, okay, this is bad. So my dad goes, very calmly, my dad goes, listen. He goes, my son allegedly hit somebody in the head with the chair. And brother's like, it's not alleged. We saw it. He goes, it's allegedly. You don't have cameras in here, do you? And he was like, what? He was like, no, but there's witnesses and the kid's in the hospital. He goes, I'll take care of the kid in the hospital. Don't worry about the kid in the hospital. He goes, you can't throw my son out of school. You just can't do it. And then my brother, Rob, is like, we have to throw your son out of school. He just hits, put somebody in a coma. And he goes, no. He goes, listen, you're not know, going to throw him out of school. It was a national tragedy. He got emotional. Don't worry about it. And he goes, don't throw him out of school. And brother, said, brother Rob says, I'm throwing him out of school and there's nothing you can do. And then my dad rolls like a wad of hundreds at Brother Rob, and he goes, don't throw him out of school. And Brother Rob goes, you're gonna bribe a man of God? And my dad goes, I lost God September 21st, 1979. That's like a date that's like burned in my head. I'm like, what the fuck? What does that date mean? And then look back, he was in prison at that time. So I'm like, I don't know what happened. Maybe there was a shower situation. Maybe something <laughs> went down. I was like, I'm not going to ask my dad. But I was like, September 21st, 1979. Wow. Like he said that shit quick and with full eye contact, no blinks. I was like, all right, dad, you got, you should go to therapy, but whatever. <laughs> We're here now. And, and So so my dad says to brother Rob, he goes, listen, he goes, don't throw my son out of school, okay? There has to be another way. Let's talk like gentlemen. There has to be another way. And then he says to my father, he goes, sir, are you stupid or something? He's expelled from school. And then my dad looks at me and he looks at Brother Rob and he goes, Chris, did he, did he just call me stupid? And I was like, you know, it, it sounded like it, dad, but, you know, he's, he's a man of God. I'm sorry. I was like, no, no habla, no habla inglés. And he goes, um, do me a favor, Chris, lock the door. And I was like, what? He goes, just lock the door. And so I got up and locked the door. I didn't know like what else to do. I was like, oh, I was like, I felt like I'm fucking going to get hit here too. Like my, I've never seen my dad like this, just angry. So I get up, I locked the door and he goes, you really offended me with the words you've chose to call him, to call me. He goes, it really hurt my feelings actually. He goes, so now you have two options. He goes, the second option really sucks for you. I would choose the first. He goes, the first option just put my son back in school. Okay. Easy breezy, no problems ass. I'll sign whatever forms you want. He goes back to school. He goes, the second option. And again, this one sucks for you. He goes, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to break both your kneecaps. And he goes, you may think I heard that line in a movie. He goes, I'm one of the guys they write the movies about. He goes, I will, and this is funny. He goes, I will call 911 right now. He goes, I will give them my address, my social security number, whatever. He goes, because I'd rather go to prison for the rest of my life and be back with my friends than you throw him out and me have to listen to his mother's fucking mouth for the rest of my life that he got expelled from school. He goes, so either way I'm in jail, I'd rather be with my buddies. So the choice is yours. And then white as a ghost, Brother Rob is like, okay, well, let's let's put him back in school. And he goes, simple. Easy breezy. He just kept saying easy breezy, my dad. I was like, stop saying easy breezy. So he kept saying easy breezy. And my dad, and he goes, he goes, what we'll do is he gets detention before and after school. And he's thrown off the basketball team. Does that work for you? And Brother Rob was like, that works for me. And I was like, that doesn't fucking work for me. I want to play ball. I don't want to go to detention. And my dad's like, no, you hit somebody. It's not good. He goes, I I didn't raise you to be that way. I was like, you just threatened to fucking kill somebody (laughs) in front of me. What are you talking about? (laughs) And he goes, I didn't raise you to be that way and then that's what I did my senior year before and after school, every day um, no basketball and my father and brother Rob actually became like friends at at graduation they were shaking hands, friends, everything was all good and it was one of those things where like my dad, he's not that way anymore but growing up like my dad was just that guy he was like right intention, wrong move is the best way I could describe my father and now that I'm a father, I want to take some stuff from him, but, you know, be more of the right intention, right move. Because my dad, he genuinely was coming from a place of love when he was like, I'm going to hurt this principal because they're hurting you, but obviously the wrong moves. But he just grew up in a time when it's like you wanted to get something, you got violent. I'm very not violent. I'm like a very big pussy. Grew up around my mother, kind of anti that. Um, But, you know, the anxiety I think comes from that. The, the, the The Pandora's box was, you know, My mother's a very nervous woman to begin with. The 9-11 thing happened, I thought she was dead. It opened up all these emotions to like, what, how will I navigate life if she is dead? And then not being as tough as my father was like, well, how do I protect her? How do I protect any woman in my life? That was a thing that I started to like grasp with. And it wasn't until I had children, my first daughter, who's now seven, did I start to realize the narcissism and anxiety. And and, And I know that, you know, that might not be the same for everybody, but to me, I started attaching narcissism to anxiety. And I used to be proud of the, hey, I'm the anxiety guy. I look like Mm. I don't have anxiety, but I have anxiety. But now when people bring up, oh, you have have a lot of anxiety. I almost hate that version of me. I'm almost like, that guy was very, very weak. And I'm still, you know, have a lot of work to do, but I did attach. I'm like, I can't have uh, all this mental energy be eaten up by my Self-serving narcissistic anxiety. If I'm going to die, if that's going to happen, I need to be like a present good dad. And I need to figure, I want to have questions answered for my daughters when and if they ask me to them, I want to give them my full attention. So little by little, my anxiety's been going going down. I think it still will always be there because that Pandora's box thing was open. I think uh, some- Wait a minute, hold on.
1: So there was no anxiety prior to September 11th and all of it came after that and you've never let it go?
2: Yeah, I know. It got to the point where every woman that I was with, every girlfriend I ever had, if they, if I texted them and they said, you know, and, and if I texted them and they didn't write back to me in 10 minutes, all that anxiety of September 11th would rush onto me and I couldn't get out of it. it. I played college basketball. It got so bad to the point where I used to bring my phone out onto the bench. Like in my warmups, I would... Like if the coach subbed me out of the game, I would run, make believe I'm going to get water, and I would rummage through the warm-ups and have my phone there to make sure my girlfriend at the time texted me she was home. And if she didn't, I couldn't function. I had a free throw average before. When, when I didn't have a girlfriend, I almost had no anxiety. But when I did have girlfriends, insane anxiety. I'm the all-time or second all-time leading scorer now in my college's history, Division three. So it's like bullshit, doesn't really count. But still, it was like, I guess, something. But I the years when i had a girlfriend my free throw percentage would be like 52% the years when i didn't have a girlfriend it was like 90% so it comp- and at that point mental health wasn't understood my coach used to yell at me like get get your fucking phone off the bench or they would fuck with me on the bus they cuz my teammates started to figure out like oh shit chris gets really nervous about his girlfriends so they would text me sometimes like from these random numbers or call me like press the star six seven to like block the number and be like hey you know it's it's your girl my girlfriend's maria they're like hey maria uh, uh i uh i'm uh um i just saw your girlfriend maria i think she got hit by a car i think she's dead man and like it, they didn't understand at that point they were just like trying to fuck with me as we're 18 19 year old guys yeah. but I, I was paralyzed like on the floor Got suicidal at times. Jesus Could've, Christ, I, dude! I couldn't talk to anybody about it because it just wasn't understood. So, how did you work your way out of that? I think nature did. When I had my kids, before I had my, I was twenty nine years old. I was yeah, 20, uh, thirty when I uh, no twenty nine when I had my daughter. But at twenty eight. I had the anxiety like of, that I had at 19. I couldn't get out of it. But, I, so
1: how'd you get into stand-up comedy then? Because I would imagine that that would give you a high level of anxiety too.
2: Doing stand-up comedy is the only place still to this day where I feel almost zero anxiety. Really? No matter how good or bad the shows go, I almost feel zero. No matter how bad the shows go? Even if I'm bombing. Dude, you have to see. I did the Netflix Comedy Festival two weeks ago. I did a show for um, with Amy Schumer. She was like Amy Schumer and Friends, and I had to go out and do a seven-minute set i fucking bombed like a full zero like just an app at the end of the set i was like i'm gonna kill myself that's what and i just walked off and i was like you know what like in the middle of it i was like i don't i, I just still feel like no anxiety like i knew i was bombing you know i feel the sweat and all that and and i was like this is going." So why
1: are you saying that you wanted to kill yourself
2: Um, because I think that, you know, I didn't give the people a good show, so that's what it was That's not anxiety? I guess it is. I guess it is in some ways, um, but it's not like, for me, like I wasn't like, my body, I'm saying the symptoms of it, my heart wasn't beating any faster. I think you're right about it being narcissistic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think you're thinking, I think that you nailed something when you said that, that there's something about anxiety that's narcissistic, like you're thinking entirely about yourself.
2: Thinking entirely about your feelings. Right. Yeah. I um, There's a part of that for sure, right? Yeah. And I didn't, I don't like the way that feels because, and it's that. And I think it's mental energy. I kind of feel like now, you know, I have a stepchild and then two daughters, stepson and two daughters. And I'm like, I got to give them almost, I only have a finite amount of energy each day now. Yeah. And I'm like I can't spend this thinking if I have I'm going to have a heart attack or if do you, I'm Do you meditate? Do you do anything like that? I was meditating a lot. I was doing that transcendental meditation yeah. and then like many things in my life the consistency. I I stopped and then and now like I tried to meditate today and I just not that I couldn't do it, but I'm like I almost feel like I'm so um jittery at times like you know like um about like not jittery angry at myself about my lack of consistency that it takes me out of I get angry at myself now more than anxious about things I'm getting mad at myself. It sounds like
1: more narcissism yeah just write a list man if you want to do something like this sounds very simple and I know it's not that simple but do one thing just one thing okay write a list of what you have to do and then do what's on that list.
2: You mean like each day?
1: Yeah you have to. You You write a list every day? I don't have to because I just do it Right. But if I needed to, I'd write a list. If right. I ever feel like I'm inconsistent, I'll write a list. Okay. But That's I just, a good idea. I know what I have to do and I just do it. But I used to write a list. Okay. I used to write a list. Like I used to write, like write down, go to the gym for 90 minutes, write for two hours, do this, do that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do two sets a night, do this, do that. Whatever I was going to do that I needed to do, go to jujitsu at 8 p.m. Whatever the fuck it was that I had to do, I would write it down and I would do it. And once I started just doing it automatically, and then there's that feeling of being inconsistent, of like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Just fucking do it. I have two voices in my head. I have me, and then I have like the drill sergeant. Okay. And I listen to the drill sergeant. The drill okay. sergeant goes, shut the fuck up and get out of bed. And I just shut the fuck up and I get out of bed. Go. Go to the gym. Go do this. Go do that. Don't eat that. Eat this. Don't be stupid. Take your vitamins. Drink water. Right. I just do it. Just write it down. Were write you it down always and- like
2: that? Or did you- No,
1: I had to build into it.
2: Because of, you think it was your martial arts training that built you into that? Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So in the beginning, like, it it was like, I wanted to just, you know, when you're doing martial arts, you're always scared. You're scared of getting hurt Mm because, you know, it's a very violent thing. And the best way to not be scared was to be fully prepared. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't fully prepared, like there was tournaments that I entered, I remember where I wasn't training as consistently. And I would get really nervous, like I'd feel very different. I'd be like, fuck, this is not good. Like, I don't have the cardio, something, you know, my, my my technique might not be as sharp. I felt off. And I did not like that at all. I'm like, the only way to not feel that is to be prepared. So just make sure you do everything you have to do. And if right. you're injured, don't fight. Those are the two things. Because there's a couple times I fought injured. And I'm like, that's just not smart. It just n- it never feels good.
2: Right. Yeah, I think the prepared thing is a yeah. huge thing. I think I feel... Um at times, uh, yeah, I guess I guess I never really equated that. Where it's like the more prepared I am for something, the less anxiety or stress I have about 100%. it. One
1: hundred percent. In One hundred percent. So it seems like you're on a, a good path,
2: but a lot
1: of this stuff. What I'm saying, the reason why I'm saying it's, it's it is you're correct that it's connected to anxiety. you you consistently you're thinking about yourself. You're consistently thinking about yourself and your feelings. Right. Instead of just thinking about the world and thinking about experiences in life and just living in the moment, you're thinking consistently about your feelings and
2: about worries and fears. And that's the two wolves.
1: That is is what you're, so
2: you're aware of what it is. Yeah. And, and, and at times the, the change is, is difficult for me, but I'm, and I don't know if if this is going to, I don't want to say fix it, but help, but for a very conservative, Irish Catholic mother, listens to the government, what the priest says is the thing we do, what the president says is the thing we do, alcohol is okay because it's legal, weed is not okay because it's illegal, like that's how I was raised for a very long time, so for, you know, in a, a psychedelics and all those things, I'm very, very late to the game with even thinking I could do that, because I, I was always told if you try any drug, it's going to mess with your heart, you're going to, uh, this is how I was raised, I wasn't raised with free-thinking parents, so, so to speak, so, but now, I've I watched um, explained about uh, on Netflix about psilocybin and they talked about how it can rewire your, like you know if your brain is like a you know snow that is being skied on it has the yeah. tracks that go a certain way and then psilocybin's like the new snow I was like I think I need that at this point to be a better everything in my life tries to revolve around being a father now have you done it no I've never done any psychedelics but damn I'm,
1: I wish we I had, well, had some right now
2: yeah I would do it right now because I've right never now. tried it do we
0: have any in here
2: what's that. Get it here pretty quickly. I don't yeah. know if there's anything here, but do you smoke weed? Very little, but I'm open to it all now. Open I was to it all. I very was, little. I wasn't all. I wasn't uh, only very little because I what? don't even know where to get it. I don't. I can get it. Yeah. What happens when you smoke weed? Um, I did take an edible once, and then I went to a New York Islanders game, and that was probably stupid because, well, what yeah. happened was is I was with Opie from the Opie and Anthony show, and 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 Sherrod Small, shout out Sherrod Smalls, He gave me a um a uh, a chocolate bar with weed but didn't tell me the instructions that you just need mm. to eat a half of a half of one square of it this is a story as old as time yep yeah and then i ate the entire chocolate bar mm. um and I forgot that I even ate it. Um, and then we get to the Islanders game and I forgot it was even in my system. I, I genuinely forgot. And then the first period buzzer went off at the Islanders game. And I thought somebody threw a spear from the top of the arena and cut my body in half. And I popped up. I was like, I'm having a stroke because my left side of my body went numb. I was like, I'm having a stroke. I'm having a stroke. And Opie was like, calm down, man. It's just the weed. I was like, no, it's different. I'm having a stroke. I was, a, I'm a, I guess still a licensed physical therapist, but I was like, I know what it is. It's a, a cerebrovascular accident. I'm having a stroke. And then, Jesus. Yeah. And then I had to leave the arena and I walked up to the cops. Cause again, I was raised like in a very drugs are bad. And I walked up to the cops and I was like, I was like, officer, I'm having a stroke. And he was like, no, you're not. I was like, I'm having a stroke. And He was like, did you take any type of drugs or anything like that? I was like, am I going to get arrested if I say yes? <laughs> and he was like, no, buddy, you're not gonna get arrested. I wanna help you. I was like, I ate an edible. And then he goes, how much? I said, I ate an entire chocolate bar of an edible. He goes, have you ever done edibles before? I said, no. And then he goes, and you ate the whole bar? I said, yeah. And then him and his partner started laughing at me, (laughs)
1: like
2: maniacally laughing at me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they they go, just
2: get in a cab and get out of here. Take a shower, you'll be fine. And then I was in the cab and I at that point lived on 91st street and I got off at 61st Street, and I t- it was a cold winter day. I would taken my jacket off, I was like sweating, and I called my friend Mike Cannon, shout out Mike Cannon, who takes a lot of edibles, and, and I called him and I was like, buddy, I'm having a stroke. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, you're like my shaman. And he was like, you're, you ate way too much of it, number one. He goes but you'll be fine he goes you're resisting everything you just have to accept it just just accept that you're high and have good intentions with it and i promise you it's all going to change and then i got i went actually i went to um me and my girl were split up at the time but we'd already had our daughter but we were co-parenting at the time i wasn't even living at the apartment on 91st street but i knocked on the door and i was like jazz i'm having a stroke and she was like you're not having a stroke i was like i'm having a stroke i need to see the baby if I die now, I need to see the baby, and she Jesus was like, "Jesus Christ!" Dude. And she had taken, she had kind of overcome. She was had taken a lot of drugs in her life, and you know, she knew what to do. She was like, "Get." Go and take a cold shower. I'm going to give you some big glass of milk. That's an old wives tell her not, but that's what she said. Caffeine is what helps the most. So she said big glass of milk, and, and 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 I wish it would have been caffeine. But So she gives it to me. She goes, just get in the shower. I get in the shower with my socks on. I forgot that I didn't have socks on. I got these soaking wet socks. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I go. I remember just being in my daughter's room. She was asleep and just talking to all her stuffed animals and, being, and holding her stuffed animals and being like, you know, calm down, Chris, calm down. I remember I was like, my daughter was in the bed. I was petting her feet. And, and and then it just like that, it came over me. The high went from bad to good. And I remember just like relaxing, laughing, everything was all good. And, but that experience, the bad part was so bad for me that, that, um, I haven't really taken them I've take them sometimes I'll take I used to on my patreon episodes of the on my podcast. I, I would take them um, But they started to give me bad headaches well, listen first of all yeah,
1: edibles are very different Okay, when you're eating it your your body's producing a completely different chemical. It's called 11 hydroxy metabolite It's like when when you're eating it. It's processed by your liver that that compound that metabolite is five times more psychoactive than thc so what you're experiencing is like a full-on psychedelic that's why it feels like you're on acid it feels like you're you're on mushrooms or something like there's something like very wrong most people think they they got dosed they think somebody put something in there right because it's just different than being high but even being too high from smoking it if you're not a person who gets high all the time your body doesn't know what the fuck to do with that experience and it it can trigger all sorts of weird paranoid thoughts and and freak you out and it's not necessarily always going to be okay. Like this whole idea like you're going to be fine when you sober up. That's not really true because there's legitimate evidence that a certain percentage of the people have some sort of a psychotic break or some sort of a schizophrenic break that coincides with the consumption of either edibles or a lot of smoking pot. Like Alex Berenson, uh, who's a reporter from the New York Times, wrote a book on it. I think it's called Tell Your Children. And a lot of the cannabis people pushed back on it, but not me. And I smoke a lot of pot. I was like, I think he's right. Because I know multiple people who have never been the same, who've gotten really fucking high one time and then something went off. And I don't think it's something that people should take lightly. Because I think most people come back from it, but I think... There's certain people that have schizophrenic tendencies that if they do have what you would call a breakthrough edible experience, like they're eating 250 milligrams or something crazy like that, which is, you know, for Joey Diaz is a normal Tuesday. But for a regular person, that'll send you into the fucking dark realm. And those kind of people oftentimes when they have these schizophrenic breaks, they're never the same again. I know multiple people, two people that are close to me. That are not the same after they've had uh, like severe marijuana experiences. So should I do drugs or don't do drugs? Uh, Do you have schizophrenia in your family? Do you feel like you've ever had a schizophrenic moment where you're worried and paranoid and think that everybody hates you and the government's out to get you or you hear voices in your head or... Um, no. Do you have a therapist? Yes. Does a therapist think you have schizophrenic tendencies? No, a therapist just
2: thinks I'm gay. Does he? She? Guy he. or girl? Yeah. He? Why you did one therapist be like, I think you might be gay. I was really? like, really? And I was like, but then every gay guy I speak to and every woman's like, no, you're not gay. You're just, you're just well, in. Into-
1: really simple. Are you
2: attracted to men? I would say I fall in love with men. I have sex with women. That's how I describe myself. In that, how does that work? Like, we can have a really good conversation. I'm not physically attracted to you guys, but we can have a really good conversation. And then I would want to go have sex with a woman.
1: Hmm. So you just. Well, I bet it probably has to do with not being around a man when you're growing up. Yeah. You know, that's a... Unfortunately, it's a problem with women, too. Like, you know, we need balance in our lives, right? And men that grow up without moms oftentimes are very cruel and don't understand women. You know, and women that grow up without men in their lives oftentimes long for male companionship. Right. And men who grow up without men in their lives, it's the same thing. It's like we need i mean obviously these are gross generalizations and sometimes people grow up with a single parent and they're fine but oftentimes this imbalance by only having one you know gender in your life that's you know running the show dependent upon their own personal personalities and anxieties and all their other things can set you off on a course of like you
2: need something that's not addressed when you're young right i also grew up in a neighborhood where it's like if you were into learning Or pretty much if you were into anything other than sports or cars, you were gay. Like that's, you know, like I remember I know every state capital. when my mother would get mad at me and I'd get punished. She would lock me in my room from the outside, which is kind of crazy now. Now that I think back, but she would make me just recite the state capitals or read about history or read from an encyclopedia. And I mean, sometimes it'd be like two hours. And I would, you know, like stop reading the encyclopedia because I'm like, there's no way this lady's still listening. And then like two seconds go by and she'd be like, continue, Christopher. And I would have to like just keep reading. So I know all these state capitals and all these facts. And it's like, you know, I got a friend, Antonio Parisi, who like did like 15 years in prison for my neighborhood. It's like, I couldn't tell him like, oh, I, I know that the brown signs in the neighborhood are designated for historical blocks. And. You can't mess with the facades because they were built by German architects he'd fucking be like, what are you, they'd be like, what are you, gay? Mm. Did you learn that from the guy you were fucking? It's like, no, that's, I didn't. So,
1: it's, it So is so weird how stupidity yeah. can be regional.
2: Yeah, in like, regional stupidity, that's good, good. Yeah, yeah,
1: it can be. And then if you grow up in that area, you're kind of fucked if you have curiosity because you, it's suppressed. It's surprising. The idea that somehow or another that information and learning
2: could be a, a weakness is hilarious. It's it's a it's thing. so stupid. It's a thing that I grew up with big time where, like, even when I first started doing comedy because it was in the arts, mm. they were like, of course you do comedy because you fucking like microphone. You like long things by your lips, you know, things like that. I was like, you're a dumb fuck. Well, there's a lot of dumb people, man. Yeah.
1: If you grow up with them, they can be a real fucking hindrance. You yeah, know? especially dumb guys, because dumb guys they like angrily want to enforce their own standards mm-hmm. on, on you.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think uh, you know gr- environment too. Like I'm on Staten Island now. It's interesting thing that's happening is like the prevalence of the Italian mafia is starting to come back. A little really? bit, yeah, because so there's no more cops. Exactly, and and because of COVID, the jail's overcrowding. They're starting to let people out. Like I've seen more mafia guys like getting like coming home from prison. Like we're like, oh, you know, Vinny's fucking back. Nails is back. You know, like balloons and stuff, and just like full holding court, smoking cigars, like like what you would see like in the 80s, like mobsters coming back. Which in a weird way, kind of makes me feel safer. Like it makes me feel a little bit like like somebody was robbing cars on the block that I live on or trying to rob cars and a guy I don't really know him uh I guess just got out of jail and you know there was like a group text that I just became a, a part of but the numbers I didn't even know and one of they were talking about as parents like you know the cops don't get up here I live on top of a hill now they're like the cops don't get up here so quickly and with the NYPD being like you know having some manpower issues like gonna have to police this area ourselves a little bit. And one guy wrote back, he was like, I just feel bad for these kids. Because if they break into my house or my neighbor's house, I'm going to shoot them and kill them. And I, I feel no remorse. And he was like on the group chat being like, that makes me sad. I don't feel bad for them. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then I asked one of my neighbors. It's like, I think that's the guy that just got out of jail for 20 years who was like some ex-mobster. Because the, the Italian mafia guys, the ones that do still exist, they mostly live on Staten Island mm. where I live. So you see them, you feel them a little bit. And it's it's this interesting like safety. Like I don't want anyone to get hurt. I feel like, you know, 18, 19-year-old kids stealing cars. I mean, you know, yeah, you go to jail for that, but I don't want somebody to lose their life. But I, I don't think these kids understand if they break into one of those houses around me these guys, they all have guns. They all have probably killed somebody before in their life. They don't care. Yeah. And I think about that, too. As my kids, I'm like, you know how many near-death situations I was in? I'm sure you were in, Jamie was in when we were children, that we just somehow survived. As a father now, sometimes I think about that where I'm like, fuck all these... All these near-death situations my kids may or may not be in but then I have to tell myself again that's bad wolf stuff stay in the present your kids are fine now they're little everything's good don't worry about stuff that hasn't happened yet but I struggle with it in my head
1: yeah do you um do you have anything that you do that makes you feel better is there any activity that you do that that sort of calms that down
2: uh walking i like walking. to go walking and so exercise uh yeah well interesting if i go extremely hard in the gym it actually doesn't make me feel better cuz i'm always like oh you should be stronger like your squat should be better like that it's it's counterintuitive at times just walk. what about cardio Cardio helps, specifically cardio, I, I like to go, I'll go and drive. I love history, especially American revolutionary history. I love the Revolutionary War and the Civil War, but in I really love colonial, the idea of colonial America. I almost feel like, I know this is weird to say, but I almost feel like I live there. Like I almost feel like my soul, it's like... Weirdly connected to it, like very strange. Where I'm like, I feel like I had a past life, if that exists. Like I feel like I was in that part of the world, but um, part of history. But when I go search for history stuff and start reading about history stuff and going for walks, like there's a place in Staten Island called Fort Wadsworth, which is where the British troops first made landfall in when they were going to, you know, go take over, try to take, you know, America back that's where they landed. So it's like so much history there. And I feel like this insane sense of calmness when I'm there, like all that stuff, that's like, you know, what the therapist tells you, oh, if it starts with a what if, that's anxiety, get out of your head. If it's not gonna matter in five months, don't give it more than five minutes. All these things that I try to remember daily that sometimes escape my brain, I have so much clarity when I'm sitting around colonial history sites, which is like, there's been times where I've drove to like colonial Williamsburg, which is nine hours away from my house just to calm down you know, um,
1: calm. That's interesting that it would make you calm. So do you have family that lived here back then? Is no, there anyone in your ancestry? If you could trace it back to like, what, when, what year did your family get to America?
2: No. So this whole, li- my whole life, I thought that, you know, my name's Chris Stefano. I thought I was an Italian guy, you know, like mostly Italian American. I knew my mother Irish. She has red hair. And I thought my dad was, you know, hardcore Italian. And then I did the ancestry.com and I found that I'm 95% German. So like almost all German. And I was like, wow, that's weird too. Because first of all, when I went to Germany, I went there uh, to, to Munich, to Oktoberfest. People were just talking to me in German. And I had to be like, I don't speak any German. And then they'd say in English, you're not German? And, they, uh, and one guy was like, I usually know when... They're not, you know, when when someone's an American, he's like, you look really German. And but I
1: never knew. Your dad thought he was Italian?
2: Yeah, he thought. And then he was like, I don't know. Did he get his shit done? No, he won't do any of that stuff. He's like, no. And then my aunt is all about it. And my aunt is like, um, my dad's sister, she's like, yeah, we, we're kind of, she was like, I'm starting to piece together pieces of, you know, my father's life, my mother's life. And it's a lot of German Ancestry, which is which is wild, because so I don't think I anybody in my family is here for Colonial America.
1: So do you? But what year did your grandparents? Did your grandparents emigrate here? Like who who emigrated here?
2: My, um, yeah, my mother's uh, my my mother's side came um, in, I think the early 1900s, and then my father's side, I think they came like in the 40s. Mm. So, but so my,
1: it's all third generation.
2: All third. Yeah, nobody was here. Yeah, yeah nobody. I don't have a. But that's. Colonial America, for some reason, it's just, I don't know why I'm obsessed with it. I just, like, those are the types, like, I I have a tough time reading at times, but that, I read that book, 1776, by David McCullen, I I read it, like, three times. I just kept reading it.
1: Well, it's cool. You know, it's interesting to think about people that lived back then. I mean, I'm obsessed with Native Americans, and I have zero Native American in me, nor do I have any, like, feelings that I have, like, some past History of Native American, you know ancestry that I've you know, yeah But who knows I mean who knows what what genetics carry right right? like the idea that There's a lot of things that are in your DNA that have come from Many 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 generations ago like for instance like why are people afraid of uh, snakes? You know, like or, or spiders, like arachnophobia is a real thing, where someone will see a spider and be fucking paralyzed. They don't know what that is, but they, they suspect that someone somewhere got bit by a spider right. or someone saw someone get bit by a spider and died, and that memory is burned in the DNA of the parent and then into the child and then perhaps into the child's child, and it just carries on. It's just speculation, but yeah. for whatever reason... Like, aphidiophobia is a snake one. Like, why? That's what it is? No. Yeah, arachnophobia is uh, arachnids. I think a phidiophobia is a snake one. But they don't know why, because it's crippling. Like, you might not be afraid of dogs, which are real. They could bite you. A dog's fucking dangerous. You might not be afraid of, uh, you know, other things that are actually dangerous. Right. But you're afraid of, of 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 a snake, or you're afraid of a spider, to the point where you lock up, like, paralyzed by anxiety, and they don't know why.
2: Huh. Yeah, I I don't have any fear of, of that. That's interesting. I'm scared of the dark.
1: Well, everybody should be scared of the dark because the dark is if you follow primate history, all of our ancestors, you go way, way back, they're all eaten by cats. You know, cats right. operate nocturnally. Our eyes suck at night, and that's why we had to hide at night, you know, and that's probably one of the main reasons why people develop shelters to avoid predators. Predators, so yeah. you talk. That's another thing, too. If you talk to a small child... What are children afraid of? They're not afraid of child molesters. They're not afraid of fucking car accidents. They're afraid of monsters. Right? Like, why is a little kid afraid of things with big teeth? It's weird. It's because there's an ingrained wow. fear of cats. Interesting.
2: Yeah, I don't like. I, I don't have cats in the house. I feel like I'm, I'm allergic not like to them. regular.
1: Well, you probably are, but not regular <laughs> cats. House cats. I'm, I'm talking about like big cats, like jaguars and leopards and stuff. Yeah, they were I, eating people from the beginning of time.
2: I hired um like a like an MMA train her really to train my daughter. Cause I, she's, you know, just turned seven, but I just want her to like, like it. She's going to start a school. I just want her to, you know, be able to defend herself. And, um, and, uh, the guy started training with me a little bit. And, um, and he was like, I was like, what can I do? Like, what, what do you do to like get over like a fear? He was like, sometimes before a fight, I'll, um, I'll go run, I'll go jogging through the woods at night. Like just because I'm like if I can overcome that uh, you know a man in the in the pure daylight is not gonna scare me and I was like true at all though Well, I said I was I couldn't (laughs) even walk in I wouldn't be I sometimes when I'm driving at night by myself I think that there's somebody in the trunk
1: Yeah, I I started fighting when I was 15 and I'm really lucky I did I'm really lucky because I was dumb back then and my, my brain wasn't fully formed and I wasn't smart enough to realize How dangerous it was so I engaged in it when I was very young and I got used to these violent encounters on a regular basis because I was competing and fighting in tournaments right. all the time and that helped me so much. It helped me so much right. because regular scary is not as scary as fight scary. Right. Like fight scary was like it's coming up Saturday, tournaments right. on Saturday, here it is Tuesday, I'm fucking shit in my pants, I'm stretching, I'm warming right. up, I'm worried am I going to wake up on Saturday lying flat on my back with a fucking broken jaw? Is that going to happen? I've seen it happen. Maybe right. that's me. Maybe Saturday's my day. You know, and then I'd find out who's in the division, I'm like, oh, fucking that guy's in the division, shit. Right. You know, and I'd, I'd freak out. And that is so much more scary than most stuff that you encounter in day-to-day life that I got a level of fear. When, I've, when I stopped fighting when I was 21, one of the things, or t- it was 21 or 22, I forgot when my last fights were, they were in that range. I think it was before, right before I turned 22. When I stopped fighting, immediately, I felt relaxed. Hmm. Like, Immediately. And then it was like within a year, it subsided. And then luckily I hurt my knee because when I was bombing in stand-up, I was thinking about fighting again. I was like, fuck this. Like I hated the fact that I needed someone else's approval because right. the, the beautiful thing about fighting is it didn't matter if someone didn't like me. It didn't matter if people booed me. It didn't matter because I knew how good I was. I knew when I get out there, yeah. I'm going to put it on that dude. Right. No one's going to save him. So right. in my mind, it was like, fine, hate me, I don't give a fuck. But then stand was the total opposite. Everybody had to like you. Right. And I'm like, oh my god, my social skills suck. Because yeah. I didn't develop them. So from 15 to 21, I was just doing this weird, crazy thing, and I wasn't really engaging in most, like, like party type activities and I kinda liked it that right. I was this weirdo outcast who was doing this like dangerous thing. So while I was in high school when most kids were doing these things, I was traveling around the country yeah. like competing in tournaments. So when I started doing stand up, there was a part of me that was like fuck this and I'll probably I don't know man, maybe if I didn't hurt my knee, I might have fought again, but I-, I fucked my knee up and I had to get an A C L reconstruction. And that's like a whole year like that takes a long ass time and i didn't have uh the money for it yet i didn't have insurance so i had to get insurance and then i had to get it later and i had to get um it's like a patella tendon graft it's a big deal they take a piece of your patella tendon they pull it out along with a chunk of bone from your your your
2: patella and you've you've ever done it well no i i was a physical therapist so i worked with i worked with patients that had (sighs) took a long ass time
1: i've had both my knees reconstructed but my left knee took way longer to get fixed yeah so There was no question I wasn't fighting then and then I I got better at comedy and then I got over it But that fucking that that those moments of like fear and anxiety that you have, like when you're just starting to do stand-up, there it's a like a different kind of fear and anxiety.
2: Yeah, because I think one's subjective, one's objective. Like you are in the ring, either you win or you lose. You get, but the comedy, it's like you know, you can do the same set at the eight o'clock show and then bomb with the ten o'clock show. There's this unpredictability. It's
1: also it's a judgment on you. Yes. it's a different thing. It's a judgment on you, you as a whole, right. not like you on your physical skills. You know, just you as a whole.
2: Do you absolutely love stand-up comedy? Yeah, like, I love it's a, it. It's a part of you. Like you, you, you were you knew the history of it. You watched oh, it when you were yeah. a kid. Oh yeah, right? yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, I did it this week in Detroit. God damn, it was fun. Shout out to Detroit. Shout out to Detroit. You know what? What's great about Detroit? Detroit is like a, a city without any pretense. You know, it's kind of a fucked up city. It is. They yeah. got fucked by the auto industry pulled out, mm-hmm. destroyed the economy. Yep. If you go back to like the 1950s and you see videos of Detroit, see if you can find some videos of Detroit in the 1950s and 60s. It was one of the wealthiest country, one of the wealthiest cities in the country. Yeah. It was an incredible city. And it was a city that was powered by American automobiles. Right. Like that that made the city, man. Everybody was there. Chrysler yep. was there, Ford was there. they were yep. all there. Yeah. So Detroit back then was fucking booming and then in the 80s, I guess I'm not, I'm not sure the timeline whatever they pulled out it, it, that's around that uh, Roger and me movie right Have you seen that
2: no, I haven't but I heard of it I still
1: to this day think it's Michael Moore's best work I think that's his best work because it was real innocent It was like him really just a young unknown filmmaker who is trying to find out what the fuck happened and see if people couldn't comprehend the the damage they've done to the
2: city, like how devastating it is to people that have no way to get out. Yeah, and and there's good comedy there, too. I mean, I did that Royal Oak Theater, and the people are just so happy.
1: But when you got, like a Fucking economically yeah. fucked city. Those people are the ones who need the, the laughs more than anybody. Well,
2: like you think, I mean, if you ever look at old pictures of like Iran, like Tehran, Iran, like in the 50s, 60s, it was like mm-hmm. booming and yep. beautiful. And yep. there was not like nobody had to wear any headdresses. Right. Like it was a beautiful, vibrant place. It's only like, you know, a lot everything goes through like, you know, like you said, like a history. Like, you know, like Detroit, it does feel like it's coming back a it's little bit now. Little. You know? They feel like it too. Yeah.
1: There's, uh, there's like, a Detroit Pride. yeah. You know, like, um, Shine- do you know Shinola? Do you know the company Shinola? Yeah. They make really good watches and leather goods yeah. and, like, really good handmade stuff that's, like, solid quality, and they, like, proudly made in Detroit and all their stuff.
2: Yeah, I went to that, um, uh, is it Jack White store, that album store they have? I think it was by the Shinola place, and I went and saw that, like, the, the White Stripes and all, because, I again, music, like, I didn't... Um, like all oh, the only music I ever listened to was like rap and Whitney Houston. I just ah. knew Whitney Houston, my father's big Whitney Houston fan. Rap so.
1: and Whitney Houston's hilarious <laughs> conversation. You might your therapist might be right. Yeah.
2: That's what <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> well <laughs> it's true. Listen, I'd love Whitney Houston. How, Whitney Houston's voice was insanity. But would you She's so talented. Like, She's
2: so talented. She was the best singer I think of all time. But like even like, wh- like when I see people, and hey, whatever people want to do, when I see people, like, lining up outside to, like, get something or, like, get in a concert, like, I, I never, ever in my life wanted to do that. Like, I never- Wait in line for a concert? For, yeah, like, get there early for sneakers or get to SNL the night before. Like, I never had an, an ambition to camp out for anything ever mm. in my life. Like-
1: Okay, let me ask you this. What if they figured out a way to bring someone back to life? What if they could bring- James Brown back to life like James Brown from 1969 you can go see him
2: live honestly if they brought Whitney Houston back to life I wouldn't wait in line for the concert you wouldn't wait in line what if I there was try a to get time machine on StubHub.
1: what if there was a time machine and it could put you in like a little hamster bubble you know in them little hamster wheel things okay and it could put you it was sort of like you wouldn't affect anything but you could be there for like Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman in Africa
2: Honestly, I think I'd rather go back in time and just watch Benjamin Franklin fly a kite.
1: Oh yeah. Do you think that really happened?
2: No. I don't no. think I
1: think I would do that for sure. Like if I could like if I could go back really back far? Yeah. How far would you go back? Like if you only do it once.
2: If I could only literally the only yeah. time I could do it is, is one time.
1: And you know a lot about history. You used to be one of the co-hosts of History Hyenas. Shout out, yeah, History Hyenas, great history show. Giannis Pappas, show. very good. And Giannis
2: is awesome. And yeah. by
1: the way, Giannis has a new special out right now too. It's yes. really fucking funny. Yeah, and it's on YouTube. What is it called? Giannis is something, Mom. Something.
2: Oh, uh, mom! Love, mom! Love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Giannis, one of the best stand-ups he's, I ever was he's around. He's fucking Truthfully. awesome and super, yeah. super
1: funny guy and yeah. super, super smart guy. Right yeah. There. So you know a lot about history. So if you wanted to go back to a particular point in history, if you could only go and watch it once, and you make maybe you could be there for 24 hours in this hamster bubble where you just like you just stay in this one thing, you can't go anywhere, you don't interact with people, but you get to experience what life was like.
2: See, I think there's cho You know. A lot of people I know might want to go see the pyramids. They want. They might want to go into that time. And I think that time is fascinating, truthfully. But I think for me, I genuinely would want to go back just because I feel such a connection to it, to specifically the Battle of Brooklyn mm. in August of uh, 1776, because I would, number one, want to see, like, I think about, like... I wanna know, when I go to another city, I don't ever really go to the tourist attractions. I do just to do it, but I wanna go see how people like me live in other cities that's what I'm fascinated to about history. How did, I know how George Washington lived, that was well-documented, but how did, you know, the gay anxiety girl dad live in 1776? How did mm. I, you know, what did I do back then? Would I have been a soldier? So I would like to go to the Battle of Brooklyn where I live, where it happened in Bay Ridge, all those shops and stores I know now see it completely just in the farce or whatever it looked like in 1776 and see what really happened in these battles. Because you know the winners write the history books. But see what actually what actually really, really happened. Um because I think that to me, that the watching, you know, um on that battle, because there's a story in that battle, the Battle of Brooklyn, where they say George Washington, we were going to lose the war right in the first month, but then a fog came in and kind of blanketed uh the narrows, it's called, like the Hudson River, and we were George Washington was able to get all the troops, like eighty percent of the Continental Army we had back across the water and into New Jersey, or else Brit we would have completely lost and be speaking British right now. Potentially speaking British, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's That's a different right. language. Yeah, and and so they spelled tires wrong I, and governor wrong. Do they really? They yeah, put d- a U in there. They put a dumb U in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the tires is always weird to me. Like we have one, we made it. First of all, we invented the tire, didn't we? I think so. yeah, I probably. Like in to, I would like to claim America as being an inventor of the tire. Because yeah. uh, what was Henry Ford the actual inventor of the automobile? I have no, no. idea. No, right? He,
0: inven- he like uh, the, the process, the,
1: the process the, the of us oh, of construction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Oh, like production, like a production yeah. process. Yeah, interesting.
2: I, I, um, yeah. I just
1: wish who I- invented the tire. In 1846, Robert William Thompson, a 23 year old engineer Whoa. and Scottish entrepreneur, filed a patent in France for a wheel called a leather filled with air. Wow. This is hmm. the very first tire. No shit. Like a, a, he figured out a leather tube filled with air. What a fucking genius it, idea because everybody uses the tire. Right. You know, yeah. who would have ever thought, like, well, you know, it's hard because uh, it's we need something that's durable, right. but we also need something that's got some cushion to it. Right, oh, well, how about the, make it hard on the outside and put air in the inside? It's the lightest shit ever.
2: Yeah, because you would think, you know, they made the wheel. They've had the wheel for thousands of years. It's like, just put leather on it, fucking dummy. <laughs> <laughs> but, leather
1: tube, leather filled tube. with air. That's a genius move. Genius,
2: genius move. That's because give it a little cushion. Can some you change tires? Rubber, Are you good, though. comfortable with cars? Yeah, I can change tires. Yeah. fucking got to learn how to do
1: that, too. Well, I used to, I worked um, at a gas station for a little while, and I had a bunch of friends who were gearheads, and I I learned from them. And I had a really good, um, in high school, we had a really good auto shop. And the guy who, I wish I could remember his name, he was this cool old dude who only liked Mustangs. Nice. I'm sure uh, one of my friends will text me afterwards i still have some friends from back then they'll remember this guy because he was a legendary auto shop teacher and he had old mustangs and he'd make you work on them and they were all like bondo boxes they were all complete shit boxes yeah he would buy like the shittiest 1965 mustang and he would he would redo it and he was always driving it to work and the fucking guy only loved mustangs he loved old mustangs and he would just he would just work on them, and he would you would like appreciate it from him. Yeah, because you were hanging out with him.
2: Yeah, see, it's a beautiful like circumstance environment thing. My guy yeah. like that was this guy named Scotty Karate who lived in the neighborhood, and he was just a lunatic, old school alcoholic guy that you would give him a dollar, and he would do any trick you wanted. He would back. <laughs> He would backflip into glass. Everybody
1: had guys like that, yeah, right? Yeah, he
2: would jump off a fucking awning. Oh, my God. And he's still alive. That guy's still alive. He never got COVID, never got monkeypox. He's just alive in a nursing home in a wheelchair. <laughs> Truth is, I got a video sent uh, to him the other day. Shout out Scotty Karate. Wow. Um, But, you know, you know, I
1: so I was around cars, like, a lot when I was younger. Right. It's It's better to hire somebody who actually knows what they're doing. I know. They're doing a tire now that doesn't have air. It's really interesting. It's a tire that... The, the outside of it looks like a regular tire, but then the sidewall of it, it's like honeycombed. It's like some kind of a material that compresses and comes back. So instead of it being air, so it can never get punctured before it runs out of air, see how it looks like that? Whoa. Yeah. So those things compress, and it essentially has the same effect as the tire with air in it, but you can see right through it to the other side, like look at what it looks like in a profile. It's weird.
2: Well, like, it's weird that we're all kind of living through the point now where it's like even stuff from the 90s, which is, whatever, 20, 30 years ago, looks really old. So, like, 30 years from now, like... That's, that makes so much more sense. That's a way better thing. It's a way better thing. I don't know anything about cars or tires or anything, and even I'm like, that's a better idea. The
1: only thing that I don't know about is whether or not it could match it in terms of performance. Because there's a, there's a thing about pliability... That actually looks fucking amazing. Cause there's a thing I don't know how. The, let's find out how good they are. There's a thing about pliability. It's like you like that's why they have low profile tires, right? Like low profile tires exist so you have the minimum amount of give. So on a racetrack, okay, you know you want to. You want a low profile tire and you want like a stiff suspension. You're going around this smooth. You don't want a big ass, like nineteen seventy Buick tire. No. It's too much tire. Right. There's too much give this way and that way. Right. So the question would be can they get that to the same optimal range that they can with air? Right. If they can do that, then it's that's way better.
2: I started watching that F1 drive to survive on Netflix, and I was just like race car driving. I want to do that, and then I realized you have to be 160 pounds max to get into that car. Have you ever gotten into a race car like no, that? No, but
1: I would imagine it'd be like a jockey that it would be better, beneficial to be light.
2: Yeah, I I was I was like that thing. Like I didn't realize like how fast. Have you ever been to one of those races? Mm-hmm. You've been to them. To like went a to the Grand Formula Prix.
1: One. Out here in Austin, there's a racetrack, Coda, we uh, went and watched, it's crazy.
2: And it's like they go so fast you can't even see them, right? Wow. It's wild. But they can't put tires like that that we just saw on those cars. I don't know.
1: Maybe they can. Maybe they'll be better. I mean, who the fuck knows? But it seems like just the fact that you can never get a flat from a puncture, just like a simple run out of air thing, that seems crazy that we're still reliant on not running out of air. Well, do I mean, you have th- run flats? You know about run flats, right? What's a run? No. Run flats is a standard production tire that you can drive up to 55 miles an hour. So you can take a drive on it.
0: Here's an FAQ on it that my. Might- Hold on,
1: because I'm you're sorry. in the middle of one thing. So the run flats are currently available right now. So like you can get like a run flat from a lot of uh, automobile manufacturers. They offer it as an option when you buy a car. Okay. And it allows you to, even if you get a flat tire, you could drive to safety. So okay. if you're on the highway and you get a tire and a regular car, regular tire gets flat, you can't drive it. It starts boom, 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 boom. It starts making a lot of noise. These are much more rigid. So it's some, some like middle ground area. So okay. even though it's flat, it's designed to have a certain amount of rigidity to it, a certain amount of give to it, and you can drive it for a long time. But those cars generally don't perform as well. And that's what I was getting to when I, I'm talking about the give of tires. Those don't perform as well as the t- the tires with air in them. Right.
2: Yeah, I just, I, it's I think all. Like
1: on racetracks, I mean.
2: Right. No, but listen, that's the thing. It's like, it's all that tire stuff sounds amazing to me and interesting. But again, I just don't like. I just get in the car, I just get in the Toyota and drive it. I don't know, I wish I knew more about this.
1: Yeah, but this is how you know more. You just look it up. So Jamie, pull, pull that article that you had it up. It
2: doesn't say much more than
0: what you just said, actually.
1: Is it, oh, the same thing about the performance? It's
0: comparable to a uh, run-flat tire.
1: Right, and so, but run-flat tires, I'm not incorrect about that, right? They're not as good oh, in I terms of, like they're fine for regular everyday driving. They're f- It's probably preferred, actually. It's make makes sense. You should, right. Be on something that doesn't You know But if I think You know It's like dorks get into Like and I'm a dork I'm saying me guys like me that get into cars like oh the new one goes zero to 60 in three seconds like what are you doing are you racing <laughs> yeah like why that's that's not gonna matter There's so no for the for most part like what a run flat tire the benefit of it to me right seems fucking huge right you you don't have to like stop on a highway and be fucking
2: in danger yeah, or drive I mean, on a rim dude i mean i feel like that's how people like that's how people get hit by cars they're changing a tire 100
1: just- happened to a kid of mine uh, i went to high school with died
2: he got he died because he was changing the tire, and he got changing hit by a car. his tire.
1: He got hit by a car,
2: and that and that at that point, nobody was even texting and driving back then.
1: Yeah, this was in the fucking early '90s, I believe he died. I remember I got a—I don't even know if I got a text message. I might have actually got a phone. Call probably got a phone it. call. You got a letter, yeah. But it was when you know when someone from your high school dies like that, you're like, oh god, he died that way. He's always a smile. I think of him smiling in the hallway.
2: I know a kid in my high school who used to sleep over my house all the time. He, uh, I remember one time he slept over at my house. He was a great basketball player. He was like one of those kids. He was like 5'5", five, five, but he could like reverse dunk. Unbelievable really? b-ball player. Yeah, he was great, great, great player, this kid. And um, I remember one time we woke up in the middle of the night, you know, sleeping in my room or whatever. I was sleeping on the floor. He was sleeping in the bed. And he was in the middle of the, our hallway where my mom even woke up she was like "honey are you okay?" to my friend and he's like "i just see i see these little green men." It's like crazy. I see them everywhere. It's like wild in this house. And she was like "okay." And like we never thought anything of it. It was late 90s whatever like oh, a guy sees green men." Well, whatever. Made fun of him about it. We were joking about it whatever. Fast forward 10 years later we you know, lose touch a little bit. He went to the Queen Center Mall, went up to the 5th floor, jumped off right in the middle in the middle of a Saturday just landed on like the Cinnabon cart, dead. Oh and uh, when I was God. reading the news, I got the chills because when I was, of course, to see unfortunately that a friend commits suicide, but when I was reading the newspaper article about it, that's how I found out. It was in the New York Post. They go, yeah, know, witness said, you know, this man, you know, whatever, 27 years old jumped, leaped off the um, fifth floor of the Queen Center Mall. And he was saying that there's little green men all over him and he just needs to get them off. And I was like, yo, that kid had schizophrenia or a major mental health issue when we were teenagers, and I didn't even know. I didn't didn't even think about that little green men moment until I read that article, but I was like,
1: whoa. Dude, I had a conversation with this guy once, and uh, I've known him for a while, always friendly with him, always normal. How's everything? Everything's good. You know, we talk about this and that. Superficial shit about the news. Mm -hmm. Just a guy I knew from work. Right. Then one day I show up uh, at this place where he's at, and he pulls his phone out and he starts showing me photos of clouds. Okay. And he goes, they're everywhere. Do you see them? See them in this one? See them? See them in this one? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this guy doing a bit? Like, what is this? Right. Right. And he goes, and I go, what do you, what do you think those are? He goes, they're definitely from another world. He goes, well, I'm, I'm being watched. It's uh, some sort of an unidentified flying object. I don't know what the purpose is, but it's, uh, it's constantly in the clouds, like following me everywhere. He's fucking dead serious. So I'm like, "How are you certain of this?" You know, so I'm trying to be nice, but I'm also trying to like ask questions. So I'm like, "How are you, how are you certain of this?" And he goes, "It's like it's plain as day. I just know it is." You know, and he's got I look at his phone. I go, "Can I see your phone?" Mm-hmm. He shows me the pictures. It's like hundreds of pictures of clouds. Hundreds Hundreds. Just basic clouds. And I'm going, holy shit. I'm here hanging out with this guy. Right. You know, and he's hanging out with all of us, which is, seems like a normal guy. Right. But meanwhile, he's out of his, not like kind of. Right. little wacky. No. Right. Out of his fucking, fucking mind. It. But fully functional. Fully functional. Wow. Respected in his craft. Very nice guy. Seems normal. Real good at talking when he comes around. Out of the, hey, how's everybody doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Hundreds and hundreds of pictures of clouds on his phone. He oh just my. thinks he thinks the clouds are filled with aliens and they're, they're following him around.
2: Is he still alive, this guy?
1: I haven't spoken to him in quite a long time, so I'm, I'm not sure. I
2: think he is. You know, people snap. I mean, my yeah. mom was single when I was growing up, you know, d- divorced from my dad. And, you know, throughout my course of my life, she had a couple of boyfriends. And one time she was dating this guy and everything was good, you know? And then he wanted her to go up to uh, like a, summer house or something that he had i think in like vermont or new hampshire up in that north new england area and she for some reason just didn't want to go she was like i just i I don't know like things are going okay with this guy but she's like i didn't want to go i remember being like 14 and she's telling me about it which is you know weird i don't have anything to give i'm just your son she's like should i go honey like do you think i should go and i was like I mean, I don't know, like, I guess go like maybe ask my dad, you know, like your ex-husband. I, I don't know what to do. I'm 14 years old. And she was like, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay with you this week and we'll just we'll do something fun. I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah, have fun with my mom, I, I guess. So whatever. We just went for pizza, video games. And then like a week later, she's on the phone with um, uh, like, I guess, police or something from that area. And she's answering all these questions like, no, he... You know, I, I didn't want to go and, and all these things. And I'm like vaguely hearing it. And then she said he like got so pissed off that she didn't want to go. Like, like he felt like rejection from her that he went and killed some couple just sleeping like in their cabin oh in New Hampshire, Vermont. God. And like my mom's like, I could have been like who, that guy was a I would have never in my life thought that that guy was capable of that. And he fucking killed some, and I was like, holy shit. And my mom met this guy on a Catholic dating website. So that's why his religion's no good. Holy shit. <laughs> holy shit, man. Yo, I, do you ever get to talk to like, like a real, like an inmate who did like 20 plus years in prison? You ever have that person on that show or a friend of yours, like real time, federal yeah.
1: prison? Yeah, I've talked to quite a few.
2: Yeah, so I and my family, it's actually my girlfriend's uncle jerry we call him tt jerry he's transgender now now he's, he's he's a woman he doesn't care what you call him pronouns he's very fluid but it's interesting it's my girlfriend's godfather and my little baby daughter's godmother it's the same person Hilarious. tt jerry it's wild <laughs> you know <laughs> and he's on your podcast all the time he comes on my podcast yeah. all the time she she or that she doesn't care she
1: really she, doesn't care
2: her whole thing with, with she's like whatever people want to do but her, she always says she's like i was trans before it was cool she was like, so, she was like, she was like, here's the bottom line. She goes, you can say pronouns, this or that. She's like, whatever people makes them comfortable and peaceful, they should do that. She's like, but the bottom line is, she's like, when I'm walking past you, if I'm in high heels and a skirt and you say, excuse me, sir, she was like, I'm turning around. I'm turning around because I know, I, I'm, she's like, I'm a, I was born a man and that's how I, my brain will always be a man, but that's her thing. But anyway, the reason why I'm bringing it up. Isn't that funny, she'll beat you up because she's a man? Dude, she'll beat the shit out of I, I don't even put my alarm on when T.T. Jerry sleeps over. I'm like, you can come in and try to rob my house. You're gonna get skull fucked by T.T. Jerry <laughs> and murdered before you even get to my bedroom. But yeah, but Jerry, fascinating person. But the reason why I bring it up is because she has told me from her experience in being in prison, which is really great, I'm actually so thankful. Because my mother, again, being very conservative, it was very weird, like, I don't know if you should have an ex-inmate around the kids, honey, and I'm like, it's been amazing to have my stepson and my, my daughter, my baby daughter's too old, but my seven-year-old and my 11-year-old like learned from him and or her about the world, learned from Jerry about the world from that point of view is amazing and because she's really a type of person that, um, you know, when, when it's hard to talk to kids when you're like, oh, you better eat your food. Kids don't have food and, you know. Sub-Saharan Africa or whatever and kids are like I don't fucking get that where Jerry's a person's like I know what it's like to have zero freedom. I know what it's like to be in the hole for two years So I go out there and I enjoy the day for the microcosm of a day I can enjoy a, a good smell. Yeah. I'll have a great day So I'm happy that my kids get that but the reason why is because she got to do prison time with Son of Sam Whew. Yeah, Son of Sam uh, uh, um, Ronald DeFeo Jr. You know the Amityville Horror House? That's real? Yeah, that's a real thing. Well, you know, the story is, you know, they Hollywooded it up, but he really did kill his family because oh, he said he was hurting voices. He killed everyone. And it's crazy because she said, Jerry said she was, yeah, oh fuck man yeah so she was uh inmate and tupac oh, that, oh
1: i did know about yeah. this i'd forgotten i knew about this there's actually that, the actual house itself
2: it's been demolished yeah, but, yeah because
1: people were visiting it all the time and... it's no
2: good just like i i don't live too far from where the godfather house was and i think like that was demolished because people it's like you know you own right. that house you're like i don't want fucking people taking pictures all day every oh, day oh my god that'd be so annoying if you live near the the horror house but she was saying that ronald DeFeo jr she was like when you talk to him same thing with son of Sam. You would not guess in a million years what they were capable of. She said, Ronald DeFail, the only thing about him, she said, she said, you know, the, the sexual favor, she she said she wouldn't she wouldn't cop to any sexual favors with son of Sam, even though like we think whatever, maybe she hooked up with him, maybe she's just not proud of it. Whatever, it's her story. She says, um, but DeFeo, De she was open when she was like that he he would let she would let him um, put a mirror out. He, he could put a mirror out in his room and she would dress up in like thongs and stuff like that and let him like, you know, jerk off or whatever. She'd cook him breakfast. And he was like kind of like his, his prison wife. And she, Jerry said that, um, you know, when you talk to him, it was like the same thing every day. Everything would be normal about him. But except if you ever brought up his crimes, he would never even get mad at it. Never. He would only look at you as calm as can be and be like, I just wish I killed my grandmother. I just didn't kill her. And if I would have killed her, I'd be, I'd, I'd be okay, but I didn't kill her, and that's the thing that keeps me up at night. But anyway, how's your day? What's going on? Like so, he but so Jerry was like, "That's what it was," and he said David Berkowitz, which was this was fascinating with David Berkowitz and Son of Sam. I was like, "Whoa!" Because when she came on on my podcast and started talking about it, the documentary about the Son of Sam, which on Netflix, did you ever see that documentary? No, I didn't. So it was about Son of Sam, but it was really kind of saying that yes, David Berkowitz killed people, undeniable, but not all those people. That he was part of a cult that was running out of, of some place in Yonkers. And it was like this cult that was killing people. But the police at that time in that you know summer of 77, they were there was so much heat on them at that time from the public to find this serial killer because he was terrorizing them. They were like, we got to pin all the murders on this guy. But there were more murders, similar fashion, after Son of Sam was already incarcerated. Really? Yes. That the police wouldn't kind of they tried to keep it quiet on the media and they wouldn't connect them but they're really very strong evidence that this shit was happening there was a cult and david berkowitz was just the guy that took the fall he was just one of them that did this but because and jerry was telling us that before the documentary came out he was like you know the thing i learned about son of sam is that he didn't kill all those people she would say she's like he didn't kill all those people baby no, he did not. <laughs> she was she was like, I was intimate with that man. He did not kill all those people. He was saying like that and she was like he's like, I know he didn't. She's like, Maybe he killed one or two, but he's a pretty nice guy. He, oh there's no way he could have killed all those people. And then the documentary came out like two weeks later. And I was like, and she was like, I told you, you see, I told you, nobody wanted to listen to me. Like he was like, <laughs> he was like going crazy like that,
1: you know? Did you ever see that movie, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? No. The, with the guy from um, the, the Walking Dead, that fucking killer actor, what the fuck's his name? The guy who played uh, like the lead? Michael
0: Rooker. Michael Rooker.
1: Yeah, that guy. So what, what's that one about? Uh, it's about Henry Lee Lucas. And it's a similar story. What are his crimes? Henry Porch of a Serial Killer. Um, oh, this guy's a fantastic actor. He's so good, dude. And he's so good in that movie. In that movie, he's fantastic. And what it, it's about this guy, Henry Lee Lucas. And he killed like 62 people, just random people across the country, yeah. just walk into a bathroom, cut their throat, stab them, walk out, act like nothing happened. Wow. But the thing is, it might not all be real. Okay. Because he got arrested and he seems to be crazy. Like when you watch the actual video, see if you can find a video of Henry Lee Lucas. I think they just asked him, did you kill this guy? And he's like, "Yep, killed him too. Yeah. I think it's one of those. Just cop to it all. And I think they pinned a bunch of unsolved cases on him uh-huh. so that it would like look like they solved them. Right. I don't think they were being very discerning with whether or not uh, his uh, stories were totally accurate. It just seems like there's some real controversy as to whether he killed that many people. All those it's people. like
2: 60-plus people. One, um, uh, uh, I'm forgetting who it was. Yeah, so here he is. Oh, yeah, I've seen this guy before.
3: There's actually a killing machine. A killing machine.
2: A killing machine. The talent. talent
3: approaches the record of Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas has killed 100 women, but
0: at least 360 people. Lucas was a drifter who murdered at random during an eight-year spree.
1: Either they found that world's worst serial killer, or it was the biggest hoax in American criminal huh. justice history.
3: I would give him a pencil. He would sit there and draw pictures and describe what they were wearing, how they were killed. Shootings, strangulations, I've killed them in every way there is.
0: Lucas was confessing
3: to any unsolved murder put before him. I started getting calls from law enforcement all over. People say, why? Why are you doing it? It was making him feel as though he was contributing. They didn't treat him as a killer, but as a friend. Uh Uh-oh, got the handcuff.
0: Henry never lived so good. Every day he brought him a strawberry milkshake. It was like he was a movie star.
3: From that point, it went to hell in the handbasket quick. What I'd been believing for all these years was Henry did it. There is not one shred of evidence to show that Lucas killed my mother.
2: Police work was so,
1: less So we're going to wa- well, not watch the whole trailer, but th- so that's basically the gist of the idea of the story was that he probably didn't kill nearly as many people, but he probably killed some.
2: So I guess at that point, you might as well, if he already had prison, he was already in prison for they life. They just
1: tagging shit on him.
2: Because I think in prison, right, it's like a different system in there. Like I, it might be beneficial for him if he was in jail for life to just be like, yeah, I killed all these people. He might get more clout that way. I don't know.
1: I think he's just a, an insane person. Oh yeah. And, oh. and and loving the attention and so he's confessing to all these things. But the point is it's it's kind of like the the David Berkowitz thing. Like he probably wasn't responsible for all of them. Right. And but reason. even more crazy than Berkowitz really when you find out the numbers he's talking about.
2: Yeah, I I don't Do you think you could kill someone like not in a situation where like they're attacking your family? Do you think like you can for get for no reason?
1: Yeah. Why you think, would you want to kill someone for no reason? No, I, I don't I, even want to think whether or not I would kill someone for no reason.
2: Do you think you could kill them if they were if they were like in got somehow got in your house? Yes. And well, you could do it. Yeah. Would you kill them with a gun or the bow and arrow?
1: Whatever's nearby. I do it, not a bow and arrow. That's that takes time. man. You got to
2: draw that thing back. That's stupid. Or the crossbow. I meant to say. Yeah. I mean, bare on, hands. Right? Could you do it? Walking Dead. If you had to, yes, you would do it. Oh yes. Yeah, I guess I'd do it too.
1: Of course you would. If you're protecting your child.
2: Yeah, protecting you, the you child. You wouldn't to...
1: even realize it was over until you were over a like a broken watermelon that used to be their head. Right. You wouldn't even realize it. Would, if someone was trying to harm your family. You'd black out. You would go yeah. fucking psycho. Yeah. You you would, it would be animal like. Yeah. You know, and if you know how to fight and you're a big guy, I'm sure it would be terrifying.
2: Yeah. I yeah. guess you're right. Yeah. Some... No, I'm
1: right. Yeah. I'm 100% right.
2: Yeah. You think, and you think, even if I'm like, oh, I don't really know. I mean, I box a little bit, but if I was like, even if the guy was, if wait, you thought
1: someone was trying to harm someone you love, you would, would just, I'd fight to the death. You would be out of your head. You'd be out of your head with violence.
2: Now, what about war? What if you got drafted tomorrow? Do you think you could just do that? Because you think you just drop into a, a war zone tomorrow? We're getting drafted. It's the night. It's World War II.
1: I think most people, if you're in a war, there's. I mean, whether or not you would perform well, that's uh, obviously, that's a different story, whether or not you could keep it together under the insane pressure of gunfighting. Right. But most people, I think, throughout history that have gone to war have kind of adapted to that, that this is life now, life is war. Right. They come back and they're destroyed by it and devastated by it, but- Right. You know, it's, it's a fucking super insane aspect of humanity that's existed forever. So I think- Unfortunately, most people have the capacity to kill people in war. Right. I think you know. Obviously, the softer your life has been, the more, um, the less adversity you've experienced, the harder it would be to do anything hard, right? Anything difficult. And war is the hardest thing you could do.
2: I was listening to some things, uh, like a very old man said. I saw it on Instagram the other day. Like this guy was like, I think it might have been like a hundred. So lived through World War II, and he was saying. You know, there's a chance. He was like, I feel. He was saying he feels rumblings of what it was like in Europe mm. uh, pre World War II. Now, because he he said, I feel rumblings of it now. He said because if you would have told someone in 1930, if you would have told a Jewish person in 1930, 1935, even before Hitler came to power. Hey, in ten years from now, or five years from now, your guys are going to be in concentration camps. They'd be like, "What are you crazy?" Right. Like, yeah, there's anti-Semitism, but it's like a tolerable level, which sucks, but it's there. But like, we have jobs, we have lives. Like, the society at that point was like as you know progressive as it was now. Like, everything. Nobody saw that coming. But the guy was like, so he was like, I feel like the reason why you didn't see it coming, oh maybe it was World War One then you didn't see it coming, is because. You were living in peacetime. He said, You only, we've been living now in too much peacetime. He said, Because when you live in so much peacetime, that's why you never want to go to war," uh, he said. "When you live in wartime, that's why you, you know the you know the horrors of war. So he is like you you understand like you will get right. over your differences a lot quicker because you know what war is. he said. Well, you, "Our generation now these you know people we only know peace," he said. "And then the war is going to begin, and you're going to beg for peace, and it's too late." And right. I was like, "Holy shit!" That like hit me in a place. Where I was like, "Yo, I've only lived in peacetime."
1: Yeah, like hey, for real peacetime.
2: Hey, we're involved
1: in something that could get hot.
2: This, it really can this, right this
1: Russia Ukraine thing can get hot. We don't know what the fuck's happening And then I saw something today where Donald Trump has that truth media. Yeah, you know, he's got the truth yeah. Media, and uh, Somebody said something about civil war and he re-truthed it So that's what you do you retruth truth things <laughs> re-truth on it. truth truth media. So he retruthed someone saying something about civil war right like like we're in danger of having a civil war or we, what does he say? What did he say? What was it? Just <clears throat>
0: Can you show it to us? Well the first one I clicked was behind a paywall.
1: I know I saw it on Twitter, so it must be true
0: <laughs> <laughs> So he retweeted Lara Logan retweeting the president of El Salvador saying Okay, this. so
1: someone says the most powerful country in the world is falling so fast that it makes you rethink What are the real reasons? So this is the president of El Salvador says this and Laura Logan, uh, she retruths that okay. and then someone else posts a comment that says Civil War mm-hmm. and then he retruth that. So Donald J. Trump retruths someone saying civil war. Which is kind of fucking do you,
2: crazy. Do you think it's it's truthfully possible in our lifetime, our children's lifetime, for an American Civil War or yes. a World War III for real at a global yes. scale?
1: Yes. All it would take is a big event. Mm-hmm. All it would take is a big event. I mean, look what happened during, like— um, the post George Floyd murder riots, where everybody was like freaking out and right. worried that you know anarchy was going to take over the st- city streets, and I remember right. the video of the the cars, the cop cars on fire in Los Angeles. It was wild. Yeah, Dude, I posted the video on my Instagram. It was videos of like there was like several cop cars on fire, like the night of the riots. Right, and that video, I remember thinking, like, imagine seeing that video ten years ago. He'd be like there's no way there's no way this could be but this if this happened the way this happened and then some another big event happened another big event took place and they blame that big event whether it's on the Republicans or the liberals right that someone did something horrific yeah. and kill people and then they decided to retaliate and then shit gets sideways. Well like that's look, 100% possible. I mean make.
2: look at the French Revolution, you know, when Marie Antoinette is saying let them eat cake. Like again, that yeah. was at the top of French society, things were good. Uh, they yeah. were they were at that time as good as they are now and then what happened? They cut the king's head off because the wage gap is so big and they feel that a little bit now too where it's like Poor people are getting really, really, really poor, especially now, and then rich are getting very, very rich. Not uh,
1: just that, but what about the supply chain problems? Supply, where they're, they're running you know, on
2: a baby formula and shit. That, that, is, that stuff freaks people the fuck out. That is one of those things. When I I was in a Walgreens the other day, shout out Walgreens. I was I was I was there, and I saw empty baby shelves, uh, empty shelves of baby food, and I, you know my daughter's about to be eleven months. So. She's drinking regular milk now, but I was like, if this was six months ago, like, what do people do? Like, what do they do? That's you know, like, the what question. do you do? I mean, this
1: is why conspiracy theorists love moments like this mm-hmm. because they, instead of assuming that it's like massive incompetence and that a, a series of events that causes a disaster, they just assume that, the, you know, they're trying to starve us out, they're trying to starve the babies. And like, that's a fucking super complex conspiracy that would involve a lot of people keeping their mouth shut and doing something that's really evil right or most people are dumb <laughs> right and yeah. then they have these jobs and they fuck this up and it gets to a point where they've made this disastrous miscalculation or a series of events have led to a shortage in baby formula isn't it more likely that it's that that yeah. if you see how fucking goofy people are with almost everything
2: yeah, I, I I think like, you know, just now as, you know, because it feels like the this is like an age of like conspiracy where like science is more dominant than religion. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of like, as a matter of fact, Giannis, and when we talked about this on History Anus, he used to say something I never thought of. But he's the one that mentioned it where he was like, you know, there was times when religion is more prevalent than science and like kind of just get stuck in the mud at like midi middle ages you're just stuck in the mud nothing really advancement no advancements really happen because religion is dominant he goes but now science is dominant and religion is down religion's getting a beating and science is dominant so the world's moving very fast yeah
1: but not just that but science is connected to a very specific ideology right it's connected to a progressive ideology to the point where like there's there's some aspects of science that get compromised by ideology, right? where they don't want to even obs- examine whether or not things are whether it's beneficial or non-beneficial, whether it's dangerous or problematic, because they don't want to run the risk. Of like offending a
2: specific group, right? Yeah, like that whole like thing where it seems like everything's black and white now. Like where it's like you ha- you either do the you do the things in the order, or the person can't let you on. When it's like you know the person who's in charge, you know has to make an example of you. Where it's like we live in this gray world. Like my daughter was at a birthday party the other day, and we're in the amusement park, and you had to have wristbands. The kids have to have wristbands, right? And so. Get on, you know, my, all the kids are getting on with the wristbands. And one dad, the adults had to have tickets. And the one, the girl, she had a wristband, but he also had another little kid who wasn't part of the party. And he had a ticket for her, but he didn't have a ticket for himself. So he was like, Can I just go on with my daughter? You know, she really wants to go on this roller coaster with her sister, but she's not big enough yet. Can I just go on? And the guy was like, Can't let you do that, buddy. Rules are rules. It's like, Are they? Like, what? at what point, when would that, because I feel like 30 years ago, you would have just let the guy on. Like, I feel like pre-9-11 was a different world. That guy would have just let the guy on because it's like, of course, you stupid asshole. Maybe. Just let him on. But it's like, with this rules are rules thing, it's like, I, I don't know.
1: Well, I, some people just enjoy telling people no, too. You know, and maybe he doesn't have the ability to say yes. What you do know, you mean? Maybe he get fired. Maybe if they found out that he let him on, he can get fired.
2: Would you, I mean, could you imagine, would you want, I wouldn't want to work for a guy that's going to fire me for letting on a, a small <laughs> kid.
1: There's a lot of people out there that are working for people they don't want to work for. It's, you know, it's, they don't want to risk that. It's too hard to get a good job. You know, if you've got a good job and you, you like working there, you, you, you can't, you can't just let a guy on.
2: I feel like there's a million jobs now. Nobody wants, actually, people are not working. There's so. a lot of
1: service jobs available. Those are that's available. That's a big one. That's yeah. a big one. Um, but, I mean, I don't know, man. Some people don't want to have to take a risk like that just for some dude. You know, you're supposed to get a ticket for you and a ticket for your fucking kids. You shouldn't have a sob story, buddy. Like, figure it out.
2: Yeah, but I feel like I would, you know. The guy was even saying he was like, "I let me go on the ride with her. My kid's going crazy. My other daughter wants going. We just wait in this long line, and I will give you the ticket. I'll go buy the ticket and give it to you. I'll leave my cell phone here." Like he was trying. You have to get a ticket in advance. That's the rules. That's the rules. But he just. Oh, he
1: said he was going to leave his cell phone there. Yeah,
2: he was like, "I would leave. Just let me ride the ride with her." And then you know he walks off with both his kids. They're crying, yelling at him. That's you know, and I'm like, oh man. And then the guy, but I could tell the guy who didn't let. The father with his two kids on felt powerful. I could tell if, he was because he was like, "Yo, rules. He was telling his coworker, awful. He was like, he was like, rules are rules, man. You know, rules are rules. You run
1: into that sometimes with stewardesses. Like, well, like, have you ever had a, like a coach seat and yeah. been treated really shittily? Yeah. By some lady. Like, I didn't even do anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> why,
2: do you, you know, why,
1: why are you communicating like you're a school mom? You know.
2: One of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm so happy it wasn't secondhand. I'm so happy I was genuinely there to see it from start to finish, is I got I was flying somewhere and I was in the first class section. I and actually I, I just I was up there. It was like a short flight somewhere, but it was, you know, first class. It was only a few few bucks more, so I got it. And and I'm up there. And there's a guy in first class who's being, like, such a dick. Like, from the beginning, like a dick. Like, he was asking the flight attendants, like, ridiculous questions. He was like, do you guys have, um," you know, he wanted, like, a fresh mozzarella salad. And she was like, we have what's in the menu. Like, you know, like, he was being that. And you could just tell he was, like, every time the guy would try to climb over him to pee, he would, like, look at him, like, obnoxiously. And the flight attendant was a woman, like, in her 50s, very sweet woman. And he, you know... They take your jackets, your sports coats, or whatever. And then, at you know, when we're pilot comes on and says, Hey, we're do the initial descent, whatever, she starts handing out the jackets to the people. And then she's handing his jacket to him. And he goes, There's a crease in my jacket, lady. There's a crease in my jacket. She goes, Sir, I'm so sorry, but you know, there's money jackets in here. And I'm I'm sorry, we'll, you know, do what we can when we land, but you know, whatever. So polite. And he goes, unfucking believable creasing my jacket. And he's like looking around at all of us. And we're like, gives a fuck about your dumb jacket. So she's, he keeps on. And, you know, she's sitting in her bucket seat by this point, you know, like where I can't see her. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's there. And he's, but he could see her. He goes, "This is unfucking believable He goes, I'm going to have your head on a plate for this, to this lady. And he keeps cursing at her. And it's so beyond uncomfortable where you're like, oh, my God, like, just shut up, guy. It's your jacket. Shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't know. We might be truthfully like a thousand feet off the ground. Like we're going to hit 500 miles an hour on the landing zone on the on the runway in less than a minute. All of a sudden, you hear the belt buckle unbutton. She gets right in his face. She goes, "Shut the fuck up! I will break your fucking arm. Shut your fucking mouth, sir. Shut the fuck up." Whoa. And then goes back down, and the first class cabin and some of the start clapping like that. I never in my life have seen anything like that. Come to find out when we're getting off, the pilot makes an announcement. He goes, so sorry for some foul language from Sandra. He goes, today is actually her last day. She's retiring today, and there was a bit of an incident, uh, but she did 30 years of unbelievable, unbelievable, exceptional work for Delta, so let's give Sandra a round of applause. And the whole plane just <laughs> clapped for her, and I was like, oh, and this guy felt like such an asshole with his dumb crease jacket just on wow. his lap. And then he he got off a, a, you know, ahead of me, I was like row three, he was in row one. And he's trying to make a complaint. And they're like, sir, w- you'll do it at the information desk. We have to get off this plane. This plane has to turn around. And I was like, wow, they're like shuffling this guy out. Like they had his back. So they, they had her back, the flight attendant's back. And it was like that poetic. I've seen poetic justice like that twice in my life. That Actually, sounds amazing. Yeah. It was cr- that was one. And then when I was a kid, this, I should have gotten into mixed martial arts back then because I, I saw something happen that was wild my dad was taking me to a knicks game 1995-96 i'm a little kid my dad's taking me to the knicks game stay game's great we're going home my dad would always take me on the subway all the way back home to where i live with my mom and we're on the train maybe 10:30 at night and there's a man and his wife and their daughter sitting in between them and you could tell something's wrong like she's holding her ears right like like she's in pain looks like she's in pain and this group of teenagers get on or maybe guys in their early 20s and they're being like insanely loud and like loud they're like go, like kind of just causing a ruckus on so that's new york city subway shit like that happens all the time so loud and and the father so like politely is like, hey guys, I know it's free space, but my daughter has a double ear infection. We're on the way to the doctor now. Please, if you could just keep it down or, or, or if you wanna yell, like yell in the next car, please. And then the guy goes, yo, fuck you, like that. Oh. And, and I'm sitting in my father. My father was sitting across and my father says to me, he goes, this is gonna be bad. He goes, look at that guy's ears. And, and he had like that cauliflower ear. He goes, look, at, don't ever mess with a guy who has ears like that, never and he was like it's going to be bad and i was like okay and then the guys just sitting there and he, when the guy when the kid the 20 year old guy said to the father you know shut the fuck up or whatever the wife just immediately starts rubbing the father's back just rubbing him she's like honey just whatever she's saying i can't really make it up but i see him rubbing the back so you sit in there and they keep yelling and she's like the you see the little girl like school like it must you know how you know how painful it is to have a double ear infection now you got people sc- oh. now now actively screaming oh. ch- and it must be just put you know right into her brain and the father says guys I'm gonna give you one more chance just please 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 don't make me have to act don't make me have to act. Please don't. Please just go to the next car. Please. And the guy, the 20-year-old, at the top of his lungs screams, like, to be funny with this boys. Like, ah! Like that. To basically be like, fuck you. In one motion, the guy gets up. I don't know what kind of technique. You would know more than me if you saw it. Has him in, like, a fucking headlock. And then what looked like breaks his arm off a pole. Like, off the pole. Or fucking breaks his arm. The kid's on the floor, screaming. Maybe crying, my memory doesn't, I don't remember that, but crying, somebody pulls the emergency brake. Now we're stopped in the middle of the tunnel. The police walk onto the train. Again, this is pre 9-11 where like rules were a little more lax. Police get on the train. Everybody says what the story was. This guy gave him so many attempts. Daughter's got an ear infection. They winds up, they take the, the father and the daughter off to get the daughter to I guess whatever more emergency place or whatever route they have to get her ear infection looked at and they arrested the kid with the broken arm. Oh my God. I was like, whoa. Those are the two times I saw like crazy poetic justice. That motion, that time and the flight attendant, that was just a couple of years ago. I was like, holy shit, dude.
1: Yeah, people get away with a lot of shit, man. Now they do. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you get to watch it on video. Yeah. It's just like when someone gets their ass kicked like the guy at the uh, Newark airport. <sighs> Like that, I was watching it that this video morning. going around. Was he smacks that dude in the head? But they the thing is like that. The the thing that's been going around is a shorter version of one that's a little longer. Okay, the little longer one. They were kind of like swinging at each other before that. There was something that happened right before that, mm-hmm. and then there was the one where the guy slapped him in the face and then he, the other guy knocks him out.
2: That guy was on the Denver Broncos practice squad. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact. That's a giant human. Giant human, and then- Why at, would you fuck with him? Well, And I have a friend who works as a baggage handler in that section of the airport and said that, that the employee, I think it's United, is, is gonna lose his job. That, that's what everyone's saying. He's gonna well, get- You can't get in a fucking slap fight you, with a guy. You can't do that. Or even if you didn't get fired, would you go back to work after getting punched into the luggage rack and then getting up, like, stumbling around. How do you go back to your position like nothing happened? People
1: are going to remember that.
2: I would leave. I, would, I wouldn't work for that airline anymore. But it's also like once you
1: – if you're on a, at a job and you're in the service industry, which is essentially what you are, you're working behind a counter yeah. at an airport, and you wind up getting in a fight with someone, you got a video of it? I'm trying to find the longer one. It's like I get – Customers can push people to their fucking limits. I get that. Right. But once you get in a full on fist fight, most likely you don't work there anymore. No. (laughs) No. No. Especially if there's a video of you slapping a man and then getting KO'd. So there's some shit. See, 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 it's going on before that. Right. We're slapping each other. See, see, he threw some punches at him before that. And then he hit. Right. See, and a couple times. See? Actually, this this, guy's taking it. Watch this. Yes. Watch this. See? And then he smacks him in the head. Okay. So this is after that dude had already hit him a bunch of times. See? Right. And then he can. And then so you, he can. You, see, this is one of the- let's pause this right here, because there's a lesson in this. This is why video is so deceptive. Right. Like a viral video that's taken out of context can be so deceptive. So we don't know what words were said between these two guys. We really don't know what happened. But if you go all the way to the beginning, they were swinging at each other, right? So. See, it looks like he touches him first, though. Go back. Yeah, he still
0: looks like he swung first. Yeah, it
1: looks like he pushes him first, and then the other dude slaps him in the head, and then he takes a couple swings at him, and the guy moves away and gets clipped a little bit, and then he hits him again and again and again, and then he steps forward and slaps him in the face. So that is all everybody saw. And then you see this punch land, and then another one, and now he's flatlined. But there was a lot of shit that went down before this that most people didn't say, didn't see, rather, because the, the video that was going around was only right after the slap.
2: What's interesting to me, though, is like this guy, the guy who got knocked out, can take a punch and seems yeah. not to be afraid, but why, when he gets his opening, does he softly bitch-slap
1: him? Because he's so confused. He's probably rocked. He got you think cracked. He's, did,
2: he's all already yeah. discombobulated. Dude,
1: watch this. Let's go back to the beginning. You know, I'm sure you've been hit in the head before. Yeah, you know I, what? I have. Look at, yeah. So there's one. Now watch this. They're standing in front of each other. That okay. one lands. That one lands. Stumbles back. So he's rocked Four. right now. That one lands. Right. That one lands. So he's fucked right now. He don't know what he's doing. Like that dude's... Bang! He's fucking seeing stars. His Got bell's it. rung. And then he gets hit again, and now he's going out. Bam. And then the second one. So when he le- goes and lays back...
2: Damn. When he hit his so head there's that a last lot. time, it's no good. None of it was good,
1: but it was like those punches that he got hit with before he slapped that guy probably had him out of his fucking head. He was disoriented. He's
2: completely disoriented. He doesn't know what. to do. So what is the course of action? Do you have to arrest both of them?
1: Well, I don't know, because maybe there was some shit that went 15 seconds before that that explains why he pushed him. Who the fuck knows?
2: Yeah, that's why the police always have, like, the real footage. Like, I have a friend, I'm sure you have many friends who are police. Like, there's time, and probably illegally does this, but there's times where, like, a video will be on the news and then he'll send you the real video. And yeah. then it looks like different stuff happened or he'll tell you like a real story. Like I remember, I remember in, it was like a big article um, in New York, it was happening like, um, you know, like anti-Asian hate, like an Asian person, elderly person that got pushed over and it was on the front page, anti-Asian hate, anti-Asian hate, which, you know, was pro- pro- unfortunately probably happening. But he, my friend was like, you know, you know he goes, it's happening for sure it's happening he goes but you know that person who happened to be asian was one of like 15 elderly people that was pushed over one of them got pushed down the stairs and is dead at the bottom of the subway but they didn't fit the agenda that the meeting Mm. wanted that day so that's the thing is like it's cherry picking at times Mm. you know not everything but i remember that day i was like oh Oh, look at this. Oh, he was arrested. Ex-NFL player, yeah.
1: Yeah. Cops tell us the passenger, ex-NFL player, Brendan Langley, was arrested and charged with simple assault. Langley was a third-round pick in 2017 NFL draft out of Lamar University. The employee has been fired following the incident. So it's, it's interesting, it's like, I don't know what happened. He said, the law enforcement tells us the passenger was arrested, not the employee, despite the passenger's claim that he didn't throw the first punch. It seems like at least from what we saw there that the employee touches him first, right? It seems like that. It seems like he kind of pushed him more than he punched him, right? But then the other dude start teeing off on him.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get punched like that, man. You don't know what the fuck's going on. When I I was in high school, they um, if you had an altercation, like if you got into like the first couple of years of high school, then it changed. They I had an all boy Catholic high school, and then they let girls in, but. When they were just boys and it was like a tradition at the high school I went to, if you got into a fight, like me and you were classmates and we got into a fight, like just a verbal, you would go to the basement after school and a teacher was there to supervise it. They put on boxing gloves and let you like duke it out. Holy shit. Yeah, but What like if
1: a, a guy was like bigger than you and tougher than you and beat you up and then you had to get
2: in the ring with him again afterwards? That was their mentality to be like, don't fight. Because if you fight, if you, any type of altercation at all, you're going to have to do that with gloves on.
1: But what if it's just like a bully who's way bigger than a guy beats him up?
2: That's the way the rules were. Oh my God! I mean, th- that'd be I, terrifying. That so you was, get your
1: ass kicked, yeah. and then you have to fight them, yeah, like in, with gloves on.
2: Well, it was. By the time I got to the high school, it they weren't doing it so much anymore. But you Jesus. saw where the ring was, and I was like, "That's a crazy way,
1: bro." Think about what they did with the Spartans. I mean, they oh had they little kids fighting when they were little. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they made them little warriors. If they weren't good babies, they'd leave them in the woods. That Is there might be wrong a, with them. Is that that a myth. Might, what did you say? Is that a myth? Is that what you're gonna say?
2: No, no. I said a myth. I said that might have been when you asked me to go back in time. That would be the only one I consider other the than the Revolutionary War is to see that that formation mm. that they had. What what was the formation called? What the the troops um, they would do that um, in the movie 300. Mm-hmm. You know, they would make like that triangle. Yeah. And they like it was like impenetrable. I would love to see that, like Thermopylae. Yeah. Something like that to see only to see if it's true or not. There's a lot of things that I was like. Is it true or is it not? Because, you know, even like Revolutionary War stuff, like, they say when you start to do the research that the Declaration of Independence wasn't what the people wanted at that time. It was like propaganda. It was like American, it was like propaganda. Like, we, all we wanted when, all we were saying was we want people to represent us, you know, taxation without representation. That's all we want is to be represented in Parliament as a colony. That's it. But then the war efforts going on and you know, a year goes by and all of the soldiers, the colonial soldiers, kind of um, time is up. They want to go back to their farms. They miss their wives. They miss their kids. And Washington and all the Benjamin Franklin, and all these people are like, wait a second, how do we get these soldiers to stay? And then they hired Thomas Paine to write Common Sense, which was like the first viral. It was like, the, you know, the big TikTok of the day was a pamphlet. And it was like, oh, don't you want... Don't you want to declare freedom from the you know tyrannical British? And most people were like, no, we have safety with these people. And then their story is like that they created the founding fathers, kind of created this myth and they created like this thing that people are like, all right, yeah, actually we do. Fuck them. So I would like to see like what the, what's the truth? Right. Well, what would is like? th- talked? I'd like to sit down with a random colonial person just from any colony and just sit down and be like in 1774 how do you really feel about the british buddy what pisses you off about them and just have them eating molasses making shoes (laughs) just fucking talking to me you know yeah and that's i would like that because we know what george washington said or we know what you know fucking any famous historical i mean there's written down whether it's bullshit or not but it's like what did joe from massachusetts say 1774 joe what did that guy think you know? What's right. the, were there conspiracy theorists back then? What were those conspiracies? What did they think was fucking wild? Because the top, you ever think about like the top scientist, the, the smartest pert the Elon Musk of the day in 1700 just doesn't know anything compared right. to, they have no, they were like, oh yeah, the sun, the earth goes around the sun. You're like, what? Right. No, it's simple. Now it's like, what don't we know? You ever? I think about that a lot. It's like, what The yeah. top guy now, 300 years from now, then he'd be like, remember how cute Elon was when yeah. he used to think about that dumb stuff? And it's like... I think by the time that happens,
1: we'll be incorporated with technology. I think that's going to be the big leap with people. It's going right. to be like... The, there's a biological sort of a bottleneck mm-hmm. that biological things can only get so good so quick. It's whereas true. technological things can get good really quick, really easy. But if the technological thing can affect the biological right. thing, like, you know, you could have some fucking... Super chip in your brain that allows right. you to get 5G Wi-Fi everywhere. And sure, that that's what's going to happen. That yep. that's what I think is going
2: to be like the, the big change. We're going to look back on people that were normal biological people. It almost feels like it's all going too fast now. I mean, it just, is. We said like 20 years ago. I mean, like you know, we had look at what an iPod, and you saw an iPod. Yeah. Now you'd be like, look at that thing. It's and now, but like if you took somebody from, I don't know, 1600, and then dropped them off in 1700, not much of their life would look different. Like, oh, we still got ships. We got no planes. We still got disease. We still got the, maybe little things, but not now it's like you go in a coma for 10 years. When Jerry came out of prison 20 years later, he was like, he, the cars were going so fast, the phones, he didn't know anything. Mm. And that was just 20 years of being incarcerated. And I was, and, and, and I was, I think about that, like, how fast can it go? I mean, anything, it's, right? If you go, the train goes off the tracks when it goes too fast. So yeah. I think about that. I don't have any clue at all how to stop it, what to do. Nobody does. I'm just like, try to listen to the smart people, see what they say.
1: I think it's a natural function of progression that everything gets more complex. If you look at the beginning of the universe to now, like it seems like everything just keeps getting more complex. Right. Like if you look at like the universe starts with the big bang allegedly Um, So that's the beginning and from then everything expands and from supernovas The carbon gets created like literally from like a star exploding the carbon gets created that makes human beings So something happens and then from that thing happens this one thing emerges that can change Like consciously decide to make changes to the environment around it to the point where it gets to the point where it can literally nuke Every man woman and child off the face of the earth if it wanted to in one day Right, it could kill everything, make right. the entire world in pop in, like unpopulable. Is not a word? What's the word I'm working for? What's the word?
2: It, uninhabitable. Uninhabitable. Yeah,
1: am <laughs> <I'm> like unpopulable. <laughs> that's not even a word. I'm
2: using that tonight in a sense. It's.
1: It seems like. Things keep getting more complex from the beginning of the first wheel to this guy figures out how to put a fucking uh, leather tire on it yeah. to what we have today to Teslas to some shit in the future that's autonomous and, and right. just rides on your fucking brainwaves. You tell it in your head right. where you want to go and it just takes you there. And it never there's no more accidents anymore. We look right. back on accidents as a tragic, barbaric thing of the past, like horseback injuries. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. if that becomes a, to- a thing, you know. Our lifetime—it's going to change everything. If you're not allowed to drive anymore, if these things drive you, and right. then if the government gets to decide whether they could shut off your driving thing, right? You know, but that's just one part of it. And you're—what if you become incorporated with that thing? What if that thing becomes like almost like an extension of you as a human being? because you're electronically connected to it through.
2: Yeah, it. and then you might be in you might think like, "Oh, well, then I'll be alive forever," but that might be torment that might yeah. be like a tormentful thing, tormented soul. It could easily be that.
1: Like the the big fear with me is that someone comes to the conclusion or nature comes to the conclusion that emotions are problematic because although they, they create great energy and they they emotions create Things like love and things like uh, creativity mm-hmm. and uh, the passion that someone has expressing themselves in music or in, in anything that we enjoy. You know, you see that that the, the, a part of that is emotion, right? When Jazz sure. Joplin's singing, "Take a little piece of my heart out." That, that song, like you feel emotion in that. What, right. if, what if we decide that emotion is what's causing all the war, emotion is causing all the rejection and the anxiety and all the problems that the people have with uh, just ex- existential angst and ex- the way you interface yeah. with life. What if you could just interface with things in a pure data-driven way, where you don't have to worry anymore?
2: There's no more worry. Yeah, or, or that's also like, I think if you remove the emotion, that's how you get control. I mean, it seems like you know Hitler, all these people. That's they kill the artists first. They kill the creative people first because if you can think rationally outside the box, then it's very it's more difficult to control. That's why when I from actually listening, to your I think it was is it Michael Pollard, Michael Michael Pollan. that guy I've been watching he, going down the rabbit hole with him because just randomly saw it how he, when he said he stopped drinking coffee mm-hmm. for three months. And then he he's talking about the ayahuasca and something I never even thought of when he's like, you know, why are some drugs, like the drugs that can connect you to like that spirit molecule, the DMT, the ayahuasca, if then, you know, then, you know, maybe you don't fear death as much. You, you're harder to control that way. But like alcohol and other things get easier. It dumbs you down. Those things almost could be argued, make you smarter and more intellectual, more intelligent. So like even maybe that's what happens if you get some top person gets power and they're like, I can't control them when they're so smart and connected. Well, Let me remove their emotions. You know, that's
1: there's actually a, a book called The Immortality Key. that's all about the use of psychedelic drugs in ancient Greece and how the authorities at the time, the people in power at the time, shut down and that the, uh, I think it was, was it the Pope? Who, who was it that shut it down? I forget who initially- That shut down what? They shut down these psychedelic ceremonies that they were doing. Okay, and you're talking BC times? ancient Greece, okay. And so there's this guy named Brian Mirror Rescue, and he he wrote this book called The Immortality Key, and he came on to talk about it. And one of the things they found was um, through these ancient vessels, like pottery vessels, that there was residue of psychedelic substances that was mixed in with the wine. Wow. Yeah. So like how do you say what is the the expri- Eleusinian mysteries? I think that's how you say it. Yes, elusis. it's a weird word though, Eleusinian. It doesn't sound, even when I'm saying it right it sounds like We I'll should just pick wrong. a
2: new word for it, just make it easier.
1: But these people like intellectuals of the time would make a trek there to learn and to take part in these rituals. And right. no one knew what these rituals were. It's like it's hard to know exactly what they did. And when you read the sort of cryptic descriptions of, right. of it, what they're leaving out when they're talking about wine, we think of wine as being wine, like go buy a nice Chardonnay. Yeah. No, that's not what wine is. To them, wine was stuff where things were always mixed into it. So they always it wasn't just grapes that were fermented. It was grapes that are fermented but but a bunch of other stuff. And they would throw a lot of psychedelic stuff like ergot which is like a type of fungus that it, it gives you an LSD-like effect. So they were basically tripping their fucking balls off right. and writing literally the foundations of Western democracy. Right, They were coming up with all this stuff most likely while they were tripping.
2: Right. because And, and, and you know, like when I watched, listen to some other people, like, again, I'm all new at this. Like the last couple of months is when I've started to really... You should
1: read this book because it's perfect for you okay. because you love history and you, you're also curious about this this subject. Read that book, The Immortality. The Immortality. It's opened up a field of study in Harvard. Yep. Wow. His his research has opened up, and one of the things that other people that work with him have uncovered and in, in, in uncovering all this evidence, they've opened up this field of study in Harvard now where they're examining whether or not these psychedelic compounds played a big part in human history.
2: But do you think... Like when I listen to like a Graham Hancock, who again, I just discovered, you know, like, do you think though that like, let's say it's proven to be true that the psychedelics, they did do that and they have a positive effect would the government, make them legal. Or do you believe that the government doesn't want that stuff out there because they know how powerful it is and how much better we could get as humans because of it. That's why I'm so kind of like thinking about doing it. I'm like, I think like you almost need that from... Again, the brief research I've done on it and just really listening to experts in the field, like, are you even a complete human and at the highest function form if you don't at least do that natural stuff that ancient people have been doing for years? I mean, one of the guests on your show said that they give shots of ayahuasca to newborn babies in some culture.
1: Yeah, I don't know if those cultures are doing the right thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know.
2: There's cultures that fuck their kids, too.
1: You know, like the Papua New Guinea, Horrible shit, the, the semen warriors, you know, that story. Like, you can't ever say, like, a culture does it, must be good. Yeah. Like, who the hell knows? Well, I'm just saying if there's
2: kids, because I would think if you told me. Uh, I think it's you, you can become a good person without it. Right. You think meditation is key. If you're if you're not meditating, you think you have to be meditating.
1: You know, I think everybody needs a different thing. And uh, unfortunately, because I think it would be great if there was, like, one size fits all. Like, hey, take mushrooms, you'll be a better person. I don't think that's real. Just like I don't think there's one one diet fit all, one exercise program fit all, one uh, interests and in hobbies category that fits all. It doesn't right. work. Like people, we vary so fucking much, man. Right. We're the same thing, but we vary so much. There's people that do things every day that you and I couldn't imagine doing once. And yeah. They do it every day with glee, and we're terrified of it, or we we find it boring, or we just yeah. completely uninterested. You and think other you, people it's their whole life. You think you have to just accept who you are yes. and not resist who you are. You gotta find who you are, cultivate who you are, and you can in some ways you can create who you are in that you can choose to be better at things. Right. Choose to be a better person choose to be a better comedian, choose to be a better athlete. You can choose to be better at things, and you literally change who you are. Like, whoever Michael Jordan was before he played basketball mm-hmm. is not the same guy that became Michael Jordan, the Hall of Famer, who's one of the greatest athletes of all time. That guy became something. He made himself, turned himself through will and effort and thought and hard
2: work. Right. Turned,
1: changed who he is.
2: Yeah, I read this... I you know, I feel like, in the, I almost, it's weird. Like the last six months for me, have almost been like, do I have like cancer or something like that? Like I'm, I have something that I don't even know about yet where I'm going to die. And these are like the last few years of my life because I was just like, something just shifted in me. Cause I, you know, I have two kids now, but when I had my first kid, you would think it'd be extremely impactful. And it was, but now like this, I've been reading, trying to read so much about not even so much history. I do love history, but, but You know, I've been trying to read other stuff. Like I just read this book, um, The Five Things You Must Know Before You Die by John Izzo. And he interviewed um, all people on their deathbed from all different walks of life, all different cultures, creeds, all different levels of intelligence. But all of them had to be, I think, be over 75 and be at end of life care. So they all had, but cognitively aware. And they all were saying the same things in different languages about not making money, you're God at all? That you know the guy on his deathbed. He was like, I I I don't. I wish I I wish I was surrounded by my family instead of my BMWs. That's what I see mm. on my window. I don't care about them. I, I wish my family was here. Um, and they all said uh, the same thing: is It's not about. All these people said it's not about failing. Everyone's going to fail. All the people who are angry at the end of their life never took a chance to fail. They they instead of they never faced the failure they just said i'm not going to do it and they lived their life comfortably and now they're on their deathbed being like oh i would give anything back to do it where the people who took all these chances and failed a lot of them people were on their beds deathbeds almost penniless but joyous so happy because they took so many opportunities and none, and they failed at all of them some some people failed at like 90% of what they tried and they were so happy because at least they took the chance to do it and i was like wow like i there's a lot of things that i've done in my life there's a lot of things i have tried like comedy and getting a doctor degree and and all that stuff i was like oh wow i i I did that but then there's a lot of things i haven't because i was just and i'm like man like listening to these people it's like just try everything safely try everything that you can and I, i wasn't like that like six months ago, I was very like, I'm just going to do comedy. That's what I want to do. I'm in the comedy zone. I do this. And now I'm like into real estate. Now I'm into, you know, trying to get into, even though I'm going to about to be 38, I'm like, I can start MMA now. I've always wanted to. It's always been a thing in me. Like, how come you don't know how to defend yourself? I'm starting, I'm starting to try to do that. I'm starting to try to, you know, get out here and like, you know, learn more about psychedelics. And I'm, I feel it like I almost feel like I can't stop myself from doing psychedelics. Like it's going to happen. Like I just, where six months ago I'd be like, I'm terrified. What if my heart stops? And now I'm like, well, if I take a psychedelic and my heart stops, then I'll just continue on with whatever the next part of my existence might be. The thing be. is,
1: nobody could tell you what's going to happen. That's right. why it's so weird. But it's probably a part of why humans became humans. Right. I mean, um, there's a guy named Terrence McKenna who had a theory about the evolution of man and okay. it involved mushrooms. They called it the stoned ape theory. Yeah, and the stoned Ape theory is about how there's a giant leap in human brain size. It's like one of the most confusing things in the fo- in the entire fossil record, because the human brain size, I think, I think the the it's more than doubles over a period of two million years, okay. and they have no idea why. They don't know why. They 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 have guesses. Cooked foods. Uh, some of them they think it might be throwing things. They figured out how to throw things. And that created weapons and weapon makers. Why, because you could better safely hunters. be away from an animal, something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah, so you can hunt things yeah. that you weren't exactly Makes sense. close to. But it doesn't make sense that that would make your brain grow that fast. Right. The, the thing that McKenna said was that if you look at the timeline of when humans, their brains grew, it's at the same time where the, uh, the rainforests were receding into grasslands. Okay. And so when the rainforests were receding into grasslands, Um, There was a lot of undulates like cow type creatures and a lot of the primates came down from the trees and They would flip over cow patties and find like beetles and bugs and worms and shit to eat Mm -hmm. And on the top of cow patties were often mushrooms and he thinks it's very reasonable to assume They would have experimented with those mushrooms to see if they're edible and one of the things you find when you do eat psilocybin which is very common in cow shit psilocybin in low doses increases visual acuity which means you could see things better, which would make you a better hunter. And they've proven this with the, the there was a guy, I forget the guy's name, but he was a, a psychologist that, I think was a psychologist, and he did these studies on psilocybin and edge detection, meaning that like, if you, you took 100 random people and gave 50 of them psilocybin and 50 of them nothing, the ones that took the psilocybin could detect, if you had two parallel lines, if the line moved off, the parallel, the, the ones who run psilocybin could detect it quicker. So it it changes the way you see things. It makes you horny um, in low doses. Uh, It brings about a sense of community and creativity and it might even encourage the creation of language and his brother Dennis Explained that but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna butcher that but he actually explained it on my podcast Why the way psilocybin interacts with human neurochemistry would encourage the creation of language? So if that's if that's the case that's these primates experimenting with mushrooms Accelerated our development far beyond what it would have been if we hadn't done that Interesting
2: Yeah. I feel like there's almost no way that those types of drugs weren't a huge impact in our development. I also think distractions were a lot lower probably back then. And like, you know, when you like great pyramid stuff, when I listen to all these great thinkers talk about it, I'm like, but also like maybe feats like that would be impossible now because of distractions and unions and this and that. But back then it's like, if I told you, you need to get that Brick in that right place, or you're going to get whipped and or killed. You would have a higher chance of doing it. Yeah, you just get whipped or killed. This not about. You think that's yeah, yeah? I think it's about. I don't think it was
1: about like forcing people to do it as much as it is about skilled labor. They don't. They just have recently decided. Uh, I think it was within the last couple of decades that those people that worked in the pyramids were probably well paid, and they found because like they found camps like the f- type of food that they ate, right? And and, and they think. They were it was skilled labor, but they still the problem is they don't have any fucking idea how they did it The craziest thing about it is the technology that exists to move that stuff. There's no evidence of it, right? Like it's the, the the pyramids were almost like if you wanted to prove that civilization Gets to extreme heights and then gets reset you would have to leave behind something that would defy time And the only thing that you're really going to leave behind that defies time is made out of stone, and it's huge. And that's what they did. They made something that defied our current understanding of construction. Because if if you ask people, could you build the pyramid today, there's a lot of people that will arrogantly say, yes, of course we could build the pyramid, of course we could do it today. It's not that easy. Maybe people could do it today. But you have to think about people doing it 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years ago. Could no. they do, how the fuck did they do it then? Right. There's 2,300,000 stones. that go, They're cut so perfectly that they come to a fucking point at the top. <laughs> yeah. And it points on each corner to true north, south, east, and west. Right. There's 2,300,000 fucking stones. Some of them are from quarries that were hundreds of miles away. Bro, it's nuts.
2: Do you think that do you Is your opinion then that there maybe psilocybin and things like that were involved in 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 this type no, of I stuff? Think,
1: I think we are arrogant to assume that this is the greatest height that humanity has ever reached. Yeah, I agree with I that. I think if I think those things point to a humanity that existed where or, or a civilization that existed that was way more complex than we understand. And I think something happened and because of the Graham Hancock podcast and a guy named Randall Carlson who I've had on I've been introduced to the Younger Dryas impact theory and the Younger Dryas impact theory Coincides with the end of the ice age and there's a lot of physical evidence that somewhere around like I think it was more than one time But from an area of like 12,000 years ago up until like 11,000 years ish the earth probably got hit multiple times by a comet shower Right. We probably got fucked up and the, the way they find it is they do core samples. They find iridium and it's all around that same Area of time when they get into that 12,000 and 10,000 years like there's a lot of iridium Which is really common in space and really rare on earth and they find nuclear glass Is this shit that they find when they do nuclear test blasts right and it also happens when asteroids hit So they found this stuff also in that same time period. So they're like, I think Earth got lit up and it probably killed a large percentage of the population. Do
2: you think there are people in this world, in this country, like groups of people that know for a fact some of these things that we debate daily?
1: No, they're trying to figure that out. They're trying to figure that out. That yeah. No one knows for a fact. You right. don't know for a fact what happened 12,000 years ago, but you could look at a lot of evidence. Right. The, the Randall Carlson evidence is really fascinating because it literally coincides with the end of the Ice Age and a rapid death of a large percentage of animals on, on, in North America. Including humans. Yeah, but not all of us. We lived, right? right? But but the fucking that coincides with the end of the mammoth. It coincides with the end of the saber toothed tiger. Like all those animals get wiped out. There's like something around sixty five percent of all the megafauna gets wiped out.
2: Well we might be in a place where we could or at least our kids will know. Like like you know, like when Lewis and Clark embarked on their Lewis and Clark expedition, they nobody from America had been any further really west of like, I think, Ohio. So they right. were like, maybe the end of the earth is there. They, they thought Lewis and Clark were fully, they packed tools like we might encounter dinosaurs. And that was just 200 oh years God. ago. They genuinely thought like there's a possibility there's a brontosaurus out there because oh. we didn't have any of this info yet. And that right. was only 200 plus years ago. So we could be in this crossroads now where it's like, because what you said, too, is interesting when you're like, oh, we always think we're at the height of society. Like, you know, in Lincoln's time or right before Lincoln, like, you know, talking about a like a like a president's sex life or or were they gay? Were they straight? None of that was a scandal. It was like accepted. Right. End of Roman Empire. It's like. You know, gay, it was all acceptable. Nobody right. had an issue with it. But you would think, though, oh, now we're the most progressive. And it's like, no, I think there were progressive back then. It's just it goes in, in cycles.
1: I think it does go in cycles. And, you know, another thing to take into consideration is how long the stuff that we have that we rely on on a day-to-day basis would last if we weren't around. Right. So, like, if our phones. Like, so like I was just in Detroit, right? Okay. So Detroit is a great example because Detroit fell apart in... I guess it was the 80s when it all went down, the the destruction of Detroit, and then you look at the homes that have been overtaken by trees. <laughs> right away. It's wild, dude. Yeah. Like trees popping through the roof of a house. Right. Like, and there's a lot
2: of them. And that's only 20, that's only 40 years ago. Exactly.
1: So how how long do you think your phone would be around if you just left it in the dirt? If right. your phone got covered by dirt, right. the earth would consume it in a few hundred years for sure. Yeah. There would be no evidence. So now imagine 5,000 years. Yeah. So if we're going back to the time where we think they made the Great Pyramid of Giza, which is like 2,500 BC-ish, somewhere around then, that's just you know, they're kind of it's a lot of you know estimates. But that who the fuck knows what they had? We don't. Yeah. Fi- well, there's not it's not going to be here.
2: Yeah. Or, or like or like you know I I saw like all on the news the other day like oh there's a doorway on potential doorway on Mars and it's like how do you know? who knows what the hell that is but, but it's like we
1: wreck a bunch of shit on mars though they've sent a bunch of satellites up
2: there so well it said that it was a did you see what i'm talking about where it said I it was did, like a door yeah, i didn't read it though they didn't said didn't it was like article. a like a door like into like a room like what? it looked. but again it could just you know like what
0: a, yeah that can't be real I mean, they it said it's uh, zoomed in and it's just like a natural rock formation but...
2: shut the fuck up they're lying to us i know the egyptians right I mean, let me see G- the,
1: is that the only image of it yeah but bro, my thing no. is that it's like could not look more
2: man more man-made because it's like if that was a million years of being on Touched. I mean, like, eh, like if a million, if we got an asteroid, we all go, got wiped out today, and a million years from now, there would be no evidence of anything. We would be miles underneath the earth. So, or like, why could not that happen in Mars?
1: Maybe God is hilarious, and God's like, I got an idea. I'm gonna leave behind a fake door on Mars. <laughs> yeah, just that, leave. That looks so much like a compound. Like that looks like something from Star Wars. Where, like, you know, yeah, like you, you land on the. If you had the opportunity,
2: and- would you go to Mars? just to Fuck see it no you won't because no. i feel like mars is like whatever it's just like going to arizona
1: i would want to go dude i don't even want to go to the desert why would i want to go to another whole desert planet yeah
2: i don't even <laughs> if you th- gave me a free chance to even go into space i just don't oh. i have no i have zero desire to do it
1: i might be interested in going into space just so i could get the perspective of looking down on the earth from orbit i think it must be wild i think that must be wild Right. I think cuz astronauts talk about it they're they're pretty unanimous in it that it's a, a life-changing perspective enhancer that you you see the earth from above and then the whole idea of like countries and war and like separated by borders seems so insane when you're like way above it looking down you're like oh my god most of our problems would be solved if we didn't think in terms of <laughs> yeah. borders and we didn't have groups of people that control massive groups of people because all they want to do is profit off controlling massive groups of people sure. then you get totalitarian governments like china and north korea and yeah. and then the people are in fucking entrapped in this ideology and you're fucked and you look up down and you're like this is nuts no we got like hives of people that yeah. are living in these patches of gir- that think for some reason they have a dispute with people they've never even met yeah. which is insane
2: it's lines on a map I mean listen I love you know being an American but I will I will tell you like five years ago my sense of patriotism was a lot stronger than it is now not that I love this country any less but I'm like it's stupid I was just biologically born here it's just a it's just a like a lottery ball coming out I could have been born anywhere. yes
1: but look or look Earth could be all like the best aspect of America is what my point is. Yeah, It's not that America is awesome and only awesome. Is that if everyone had as much freedom as we have in America, the world would be a better place. And if we could get what is wrong with America sorted out, uh, solve all the inequities, solve all the inequality, solve all the bullshit with horrible displaced communities where they have no hope. Fix these these real problems that we have here at home. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how much time we put into other things, like outside of America. When you look at how fucked some of the cities in America are, or,
2: well, they that or look at we're sending billions of dollars to, to Ukraine. Ukraine, Russia, and there's no f- formula on the
1: shelves in CVS. I mean, I don't know where that fucking money's coming from. Like, I wish I understood. How they yeah. allocate money to problems? Because if you don't think there's enough problems in America to alloc- allocate money, of if you if, if they're not paying attention to what the fuck is going on in Chicago, the crazy yeah. amount of gunfire that yeah. they have in the South Side of Chicago, I mean that is wild. It's wild. It's and like, that's just
2: going to keep going. It's a full war zone. I, I do. I think that you know. I think that. Again, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I think the powers that be, whoever that is, there's just a lot of money in keeping us divided. A lot of money in keeping us angry. That's why the media cherry pick stories to make problems way bigger than they appear. You see, you know, we see it nightly in comedy clubs. I mean, what do you got? You got a bunch of different people, different ideologies, races, religions, cultures, creeds, just laughing or not laughing in unison. Yeah, that's more
1: more natural, honestly. Yeah. But the problem is, it's profitable. Like if they have a horrible sure. story that pisses everybody off, everybody's going to click on it.
2: Uh, but but i don't you think though we're at a point now where like no we're in more i would blindly believe the news just right before the pandemic i would blindly believe them but now i think most people don't most people know it's like there this is a this is like a talk show like cnn and fox well, it's way
1: more dangerous than a talk show because it's funded By a very specific group of people that want to put out a very specific narrative, and that's one of the reasons why the rise of independent news sources like Breaking Points and all these different shows that they have that are that are out there now. That's what's interesting to people because now you get you get real news from actual journalists whose one of their things that they're selling their currency is honesty, right? Because we don't get that from one thing. If you're going to listen to Fox News or you're going to listen to CNN you're going to get ideologically driven yes. information, right? Depending on who the source is, which anchor it is, that's talking. But you're going to get it from the right on Fox. You're going to get it from the left. On... What, I agree. About, what about if someone just tells the fucking truth? I agree. Th- I, those don't exist on television anymore.
2: Not anymore. No, I kind of, it's it's more on the internet or like these other places. Like It's kind of like, um, you know, the CNN and Fox News. It's like, you know, it's chain food. It's TGI yeah. Fridays, whereas like the best food is the mom and pop places. And that's where I try to... Focus if I'm going to look at the news. I've tried actually, though, I think, you know, there's an obligation, of course, to be informed. I think just being a person, being a comic, whatever. But I've really, 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 I mean, with, I would say most of my energy, you know, I've been trying to lose that anxiety. Most of my energy every fucking day, even more than physical at the gym, more than anything else, has been trying trying with literally every cell in my body every day to get off or to limit myself from social media because i believe in my heart that it is as bad for you as cigarettes were when the cigarettes they were doing commercials for cigarettes in the 50s oh i love cigarettes whatever and now 100 years from now you may look back and be like how the corrosion so just i've been off twitter for nine nine days now. I still have, I have, you know, somebody tweet for me. I send them what I want to be said and my videos or wherever I'm going to be promos, but I don't look at it. And in just in nine days, I feel, you know, I'm silly. You know, when I'm going to go start the podcast, oh, I hate myself. It, there's a silliness to that. It's right. just me. But genuinely, honestly, truthfully, gun to my head, I feel in just nine days, like incredibly, ha- so much happier because just a couple of it just takes one or two to to get past the goalie, and then it hurts you. I mean, yeah, it hurt. You know, when you see things about like your comedy, your look, you're this, you're that, how you are, what they heard you say on this podcast, it's painful to hear any negative response. So I used to think, oh, I have to take it all in. If you want to keep progressing in this career, you got to take the positives and the negatives. And I'm like. Why do I have to do that? I'm only going to live once. I just want people to say positive things about, or hear positive things about me. I know what I'm doing wrong. I I can self-critique and I can have members of my family or close friend group tell me something. I've tried to make a point now to make like a real fundamental decision to be like, I'm not going to let someone I don't know that I've never met influence my behavior or my mentality at all, including politicians or newscasters. I don't care, because I'm like I don't know them. Oh, so and so is an idiot. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, it could have been edited. The video's edited. I'm like, I've never met any president or politician or newscaster. I think, care about what my dad thinks of me. You know, what my da- my girl thinks of me. Like I'm trying to just focus on that, and I've gotten like noticeably happier in just less than two weeks. But
1: you have to understand, like when we're we're talking about social media, what you're experiencing is very unusual. It's not regular social media. You're experiencing social media where. Thousands and thousands of strangers are judging you, right? So when you talk about that like the, the average person if you s- tell the average person social media is bad for you They're like, well, I'm just like reading stuff like what's the big deal? That's true When it's bad for you when it's negative and the problem with anything that anyone's doing in the public eye is you're gonna Get a certain percentage of negative and whether it's ten to one or a hundred to one What that one that sneaks through is gonna freak you out more than the hundred that love you It still even hurts you at your level. You'll still it, if you see one it hurts. You don't like it Right. It's not nice right. to see that someone dislikes you enough to state it publicly. Nobody likes that. Right. And if you do like it, there's probably something wrong with you. like right. I mean, you shouldn't like that someone doesn't like you. That's weird. It's yeah. a weird. It's like it's the defense mechanism. But the point is, mm-hmm. is that that's an incredibly unusual position to be in. Right. That doesn't exist in nature. Like there's one person, and this person doesn't know all those other people, but all those other people are watching all the stuff that they do? Right. That's crazy. Right. That is fucking insane. Like that position, the position to be in, like a person like yourself, that's putting stuff out on social media. No one knows how to handle that. Okay? Because it's not natural. No one has it. They can talk all that shit they want, but no no one gets to that spot except the people who get to that spot. Got so it. whether it's you or whether it's fucking Giannis or Chris Rock or whoever the fuck posts on Twitter, right. and reads their stuff and reads all the stuff that people are saying about them, yeah. you're you're letting your fucking state of mind be influenced by untold millions right. of people
2: randomly, which is not a good gamble. I think. I think. Yeah, because that's a good point which again it's not a solid game didn't think of because i only now i mean doing comedy whatever 12 years but only now am i starting to sell out shows and theaters and get recognized and, and get hated more now and I, so i wasn't ready for it i thought people liked me you know <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they do because people have always been like oh chris you're a nice guy whatever your therapist you you're are. gay but you're then, no. a nice guy i but don't then, know if you're gay i think your therapist might be gay for you but then i've hooked up with my therapist hey. but then but then on social media, when especially when I put the special out on Netflix, because now I'm outside my podcast fan base. Now it's like, your comedy sucks. Right, right, right. You suck. You're a storyteller. You mm-hmm. stick to podcasts, all that. And I was like, I don't like that. And then I had this conflict inside me where I was like, am I a pussy for getting off Twitter? Because I don't want to see that. Am I a pussy? And then I kind of just made my own decision where I was like no i just don't want to deal with it i I don't it was it was hurting me too much i'm still going to keep going my career and i understand in the public eye you get more but i was like i don't need to see it at that level every second of every day you don't need to see it you you
1: are a self critical person and you know there's good in that and you know that can get away with from you too i mean you got to at a certain point in time just got to appreciate the moment of life and don't be even too self-critical but you only have so much time in a day and the way yeah. I always describe it is this way I said if you your entire consciousness everything that you're capable of thinking of is like a bandwidth like you have a hundred Units of these things and, it, and then you take 30 units. I have friends that have killed a fucking vacation because they went on Twitter they read something that someone said about them, and then they clicked on an article and read the article, and then wrote a response article. So they're in fucking Hawaii with <laughs> yeah. their family. Yeah. Their family's out by the pool, having yeah. a good time. They're in the hotel room going, oh yeah, well fuck you. <laughs> and they're writing, and this guy is brilliant, by right. the way. It's, it's insanity, right. the, the idea that, that people could think that that's healthy. Right. You're gonna, If you are putting your staff out there, and you're clearly doing that, right. you're going to have criticism. You're right. going to have a certain amount of it, but you can't expect the norm- normal mind of a human being, which is what you have and what I have, just a normal mind, yeah. to comprehend what the fuck it's like to get criticism from a million people. Yeah. You can't comprehend it. It's
2: yeah, but, too crazy. I mean, because back in the day, it's like even if you were going to get criticized, it's like it was just by the people in your village. You know yeah. what I mean? Nobody But knew you're you. not
1: trying to be criticized by the people in your village. That's where it's interesting. Yeah. Because you're trying to be criticized by the whole world. Right. That's what you do when you put something out there. So you right. can't be shocked. Right. But don't digest it. No, well, you that's... Can't, I'm trying can't to have it in your life.
2: I'm trying to be proactive about it and be like, okay, if this is going to happen, if the career is going to go the way I want it to, then... Here's here's what I'm going to do to try to protect myself. The
1: people that I know that are on Twitter all the time, they get in disputes that wound up keeping them up at night. They, no. they go crazy and they'll tell me about it. You know, I couldn't fucking sleep and then I got so upset and I, I'm, yeah. I'm reading the replies and I'm replying to them and I can't wait to see how they replied to my reply. I'm yeah. like, bro, bro I know. this is not real. You're not at a war. No. This is like some weird, You, it's like you're sending evil notes on passenger pigeons back and <laughs> yeah. forth to each other. This
2: is so fucking stupid. You made it all up. I, well, that's why I think having children is such a blessing because it takes me, nature took. Takes me out of it and be like, hey, hey, yeah. "Hey, your kid is your kids. You're gonna miss your kid's first step yeah. because somebody said you're you you fucking th- your bit sucked. You can't you know read what I mean? Stuff. No, no, no. I'm it be doesn't trying not mean to. that
1: you shouldn't th- that you shouldn't think that criticism is important because it is important. Oh, sure. But you can't just digest it like all day long. It's like eating." Sugar or something like that. So you can't
2: just do it all day long. It's not good for you well, I think I think in life it's, it's best addictive keep keep your counsel small I feel like all the most a lot of successful people they got a small group of people that they talk to you know what I mean It's but that I guess that could get slippery too because you don't want to get surrounded by yes men
1: You don't want to be surrounded by yes men But you have to be first of all the type of person that can't be surrounded by yes men You you're gonna understand yourself. What's bullshit and what's real you have to be self-analytical You have to be self-critical you have to have a certain amount of introspective Curiosity, where you really want to know what the fuck you're doing. If you're doing things wrong, you yeah. got to be able to apologize. That's the other thing. You can't be stuck in bad decisions that you've made. You Yo. got to be able to say that was a bad decision. Yo. So the, the fucking one of the biggest things that holds people up is the inability to admit they were
2: wrong. It fucks people up, man, because they don't grow. Oh my god, it's you hit that on the head because I, the people, I, I got a person in my life that. I've never once in my life seen them apologize for anything, or I've never once seen them when they get told that they're wrong. Like what, Just he, accept it. He goes, I was in a store once, and he was talking about hockey, and he goes, he goes, oh, yeah, it was the fourth quarter of the hockey game. And the guy was like, oh, hockey's only got three periods. He was like, no, it doesn't. It's got four oh quarters. And you're like, God. what? Of oh course. It. And, he, and he wouldn't accept it. And I was like, man, there's no way that – like you said, there's no way that guy grows. I feel like right. one thing I want to make sure my kids always know how to do is, is say they're sorry and have the courage to admit, hey, I was completely wrong.
1: More than that, this is what I tell my kids. Lying in itself robs you of the, your ability to think about things and get better at things. Yeah. If you choose to never lie, then you, then it's off the table. Now, if you do choose to do that and you're dealing with any kind of situation, right. you, you can learn better. Right. Because you, you're not, you're not lying to yourself. Right. The people that lie suck. They suck uh, at whatever they do. Of course. Like that guy, I guarantee you that guy never gets good at things. No, he stinks. Exactly at everything he does. You can't get good at stuff if you're full of shit. Yeah, like it's like the painful truth of being incorrect is far superior than deluding yourself with some fucking belief that you're never wrong. Right. That's because that sh- that's what everybody wants. Being right is awesome, even when we're joking around about stuff about the podcast. And I go, "Jamie, look that up," and he looks it up and turns out to be true. I'm like, "Aha!" Yeah. But when he looks it up and it turns out to be wrong, I'm like, yeah. "Oh, really? I yeah. thought it was fuck." Well, That's that... not a good feeling. So people avoid that feeling.
2: Well, and and actually, Benjamin Franklin said the reason why George Washington was the man who he was and why he was able to get the country out of the mess is because he was not. He would he would retreat. He would realize I fucked up. I just put this soldiers in a bad position i'll look like a dick in the press let's retreat and we'll su- survive another day where at that point every other like british generals you know they would just march their soldiers the red coats, in formation like idiots and they would just get shot and killed and it's like you because they, they were like hey if we're in the mm-hmm. wrong system then we're going to kill everybody and that's what, what it that
1: is when they would walk with the fucking white stripe in the middle of their chest and they would walk forward in march in yeah. war and they would it's just like- get shot
2: what about the guy on the drums? I feel like I'd be that guy. <laughs> just get shot in the head immediately because I'm on the that drums. Isn't amazing? You
1: need a drummer when you're going to go to war. That is the dumbest fucking thing ever. you got going to announce. I know.
2: <laughs> that music gets you high. That pumps you up, though, the Does drums.
1: It. You have a musket. Good luck. Good luck. You have shit weapons. Everyone's going to die. You're going to get shot
2: in the dick. Yeah. It's going to be horrible. A lead ball is going to yeah. take half your fucking face off. Yeah. yeah. Dude. I did, I mean, I'm sure. I know you read a lot and have a lot of like former soldiers on, but you know, as a guy who'd be just terrified to even go to war. When
1: everybody's I, terrified to go to everybody, war. Everybody. That's yeah, the Tom, point. Yeah. But what I was saying earlier was what I meant by it when I talked about war—that everybody's kind of capable of it. If, so, if. If we all agreed that there's a group that's killing us, and they're coming to kill us, and you had a gun, and they were coming your way, you'd shoot at them. Sure. It's, it's what everybody always does. Almost everybody. Yeah. Some people will freeze, but the vast majority of people, when they're confronted by some sort of a thing, they switch, and then that becomes life. Life becomes tribal
2: warfare. That's right. our
1: default. Tribal our, war. Our yeah. default from the beginning of human history yeah. has been, you've got some shit that I want, and yeah. I'm going to try to get it from
2: you. Yeah, it's not most, so much racism, it's more tribalism. I feel like the tribes stick together more than the races, you know, but, um, you know, I read something interesting the other day about World War II, about how a couple of battles in the beginning of the war, Hitler and the Nazis were very adamant about, we're at war, you will not have prostitutes, you will not eat bad, you know, you'll take a little Panzer chocolate, a little crystal meth, and you will go out there and fight, where the French were like... Dude, let's party. We, we, we drink wine. Hookers, everybody. Oh, boy. And they said Dunkirk and all those battles. The reason why they lost, the reason why France got fucking rolled over, they say, is because they all had STDs. (laughs) <laughs> they, that's a real <laughs> theory that they all had chlamydia and fucking were just oh, fighting with course. infections where the Nazis were just coming in there pounding just with full cocks. And meth. Full cock and meth. Yeah. That no, totally makes sense. It's interesting though, right? How like little things in history, like it's just like a very basic human thing that happened and then yeah. boom, you lo- history got changed. Well, look at the fucking disease that
1: ravaged through uh, North America when the Europeans arrived. Smallpox and all that.
2: I mean, that's, that's
1: probably responsible for the end of the Mayans, the end of the Aztecs, all say. the Native Americans died. Off, that ninety percent of the Native Americans died from diseases from the Europeans.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I mean, uh, even like back then, like human sacrifice and all that. Like, yeah, I'm like, were the Mayans good people? Were the Aztecs good people? They were fucking killing everybody and sacrificing the sun
1: gods. Most likely, I think it. I think what happens is that civilizations get to like a really, really, really good place before they fall apart, or if they fall apart and then i think somewhere around the time when they're falling apart people start doing wacky shit right. to try to get things back get their juju back right. and so they start like killing slaves and right. you know sacrificing them to the sun god so that they no longer had diseases and someone else tells you the problem that we're having in this world is we're not sacrificing enough <laughs> yeah. so god doesn't think we love him
2: yeah. and so you people you
1: could talk people into
2: it 100% i wonder if we're going to be at that point now, because a lot of people are like, oh, doesn't it feel like the world's ending? I'm like, it doesn't to me. It doesn't feel like we're there yet.
1: Well, what do you think war is when we send people and you know they're going to die for an unjust cause because they're going to create wealth and they're going to control yeah. resources? In a way, they're sacrificing lives for a greater good, what they think is a greater good for them, sure. right? which is like some sort of economic gain or control of resources and oil or a strategic move, but they're sacrificing people. Right. There's just doing it in this sort of, I wasn't, No, it was a war. I wasn't there. But you're sending people and you know some of them are going to die for a greater good.
2: Yeah. Well, that whole idea too of like war and, you know, and again, I'm sure there's a million reasons why it doesn't, but it like, it would seem like if I wasn't a human and I was looking down, it would seem like, hey, all you people don't have to die. Why don't you just get the one leader of that country who's mad at that country just have those two fight or have them both yeah. pick one guy to fight and the winner gets whatever you can't have
1: that cuz then you have the biggest strongest guy who runs the whole world cuz he controls all the army you can't have that like you have to have people voting over stuff you can't it can't like the only reason why it works is cuz a group has a
2: better what more ass kicking general but that's the thing even in any even the best presidents even the best uh leaders and prime ministers at the core of it, you're an egomaniac lunatic if you even wanna be in a position right. to lead these people. Of that, course. That's why I think the wanna be a Putin. If, even a, even even a good president if you want to be right. a nice guy if you want to be a JFK or an Obama even it's like there's even I loved Obama but there's no way that guy is a fucking egomaniac lunatic if you want to be president I think you can't be it without the other I don't I agree
1: 100% yeah. and I also think you can't do it if you're around the type of people that are also doing it yeah. and not become a fucking psycho Psycho If you're around all these people that you know are engaging what in what is essentially insider trading yeah. and they're all openly doing it yeah. and they're all responsible for for the law and they're responsible mm-hmm. for the way this country runs at its core and they just fucking it in cash yeah. from all this fucking dirty shit that would get right. you arrested in other businesses
2: yeah it almost feels like i know you need we need people to lead but it almost feels like in a way and maybe i heard this from somebody maybe it was graham hancock who said this that you almost we're almost like outgrowing government now where it's like, you don't need it as much right? anymore. You can like, because now it's becoming like, we're starting to like revolt a little bit.
1: Well, imagine if there was no boundaries on what a person could and could not pursue in terms of their religious freedom, what they want to do for a living, what they want to do sexually. If there was nothing, that, if that was completely off the table, that's an archaic thing in the past, like burning witches at the stake. Yeah. And then we realize there's a certain finite amount of resources on earth, but when it's spread evenly, there's really enough for everybody. Right. So we're just going to make you know a, a certain amount of food available for everybody, yeah. housing available for everybody, and we all work together to make sure that everybody lives at a certain level yeah. of life. Then the other things are just about how much
2: effort you're willing to put in. But it has to be, if we know this. At this level, that the governments and powers that be know it to They can't. But how are they going to communicate that idea to everybody and have everybody
1: accept it? They're not going to. Like we're stuck in this paradigm until people until people work it out. I don't think it's like a, it's, it, I think it's a function as much of a group of people that have decided to hide the truth that we can all get along together as much as they're just trying to control what they have. And they're dealing with other countries that are trying to control what they have and arguing over resources and territories and laws
2: that get right. passed and,
1: and and things along those lines. That's
2: why I think, though, I really believe, in my that aliens are going to be like, not only are, are we going to find out that they're for real, for real, but they're coming. Because I think that's the only way we unite as a people is we got to fight something else. Now, I think who knows if we get demolished or not. Maybe, maybe not. But- I do feel like we're getting set up. I thought aliens were coming at the end of the pandemic. I think we all did. I think we all, like, there's no, like, the NASA, the research, everything's coming out. I feel like they're coming in the next 20 years, and that's the only way we can get back to, you know, kind of coming together. Well, that's, Aliens will cure racism. I think that if, if aliens do exist
1: and they have gone through a similar evolutionary process as human beings have, uh, and what, what, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about that is there's a real good theory that psilocybin itself might be extraterrestrial. And that wow. spores- We got to do it. Spores can exist in a vacuum. And they think that, well, they know that some, uh, I like we we're talking about iridium, how iridium exists in this. when they go to the, do the core sample of like 20,000 years and they get to that area where mm-hmm. they think the impacts hit, there's all this iridium. So, because they know that iridium comes from space and oftentimes uh, exists in meteors that land on Earth, and, and that's how you find it. But other stuff gets there too, and there's even this a theory of panspermia. Panspermia is a, a theory that the organic building blocks from life or for life, like even amino acids, they, they could have come here from some other planet, crash-landed, and the chemical process begins. It creates life. Now, if that's the case, if they think that, psilocybin can exist and spores like fungus spores can exist in a vacuum they could conceivably be on a rock that lands on earth in a meteor impact and spread that way
2: right yeah because it seems to me that's i could understand that being um kind of a hypothesis that could be true because it Again, I, I know you've done it before, but it seems when I, the research I did with the uh, the psilocybin, people kind of say, I keep hearing the similar thing, that in different ways, with with mushrooms or ayahuasca, they a lot of people say that they calm down a lot, some of them at least say. It alleviates
1: once, anxiety for a lot of people. Because they
2: say that they know that. Death isn't the end; it's just another mm-hmm. part of your existence. And that they a lot. I've heard a lot of people say in the research, they say the same thing that they believe we're all God. Yeah, we're all, God is in everything. So that and it's not even a spiritual thing; it's like a creator thing, where it's like maybe that is the thing that you know, maybe we were created by something. Isn't
1: it interesting that something that um, alleviates ego's control alleviates you from ego's control? Because one of the things that it does is it diminishes the ego when you take psilocybin, but also diminishes anxiety. Mm. Remember, we were talking earlier that it might be a narcissistic thing, and yes. you were saying that it might be a narcissistic thing to be so anxious. If if that, it kind of it kind of seems like that may be a possibility for some people. Obviously, for some people, and this should be, I should be clear on this. We were talking about it earlier. Some people have anxiety because they've, they've they're mentally imbalanced. Yeah, right? something's wrong. It's chemicals. Right? There's some chemicals yeah. that are off in the brain, but the the idea that Something can come along that can alleviate your anxiety, but also diminishes the ego. It's really interesting, because like how much of this mental energy that people put into thinking about themselves would be alleviated if they realized they were a part of something that's immense and huge. That all of all of life itself is experiencing it through these different biological filters, but that we're ultimately like really the same thing right. at our cores. And that's one of the reasons why we freak out so much, or let me tell you something, like I do. I freak out so much at people's flaws. I mean, flaws like, as in like, people that lie or people that steal or people that uh, you, like, try to harm people because I'm terrified in seeing those things in myself. You know, right. you, you worry like, oh, I could imagine if I grew up in the foster care system and I was in and out of jail and getting beat up all the time that I would become this criminal that I'm looking at right here. Right, like That could be you and you know it could be you right. because you're just a lucky human being that didn't have to live like that because we're <laughs> right. essentially what the energy is of a, what a, a human is. Outside of language, outside of your, you know, your fucking childhood and your life experiences, the energy of a human is probably really similar in all of us. And it's just going through these different biological filters, different yeah. life circumstances. But if you lived my life, you would be me. And if I lived your life, I would be you. And that's probably the reality of people that you feel yeah. when you're on mushrooms. And so that- all the thinking about yourself seems right. less... It just seems to make less sense. Yeah,
2: because you're never really mad at anyone. You're always usually just mad at yourself, right? Like A lot of times the you're mad at other point. people. If no, other no.
1: people are doing you bad.
2: No, I know. But don't you think at the core of it, it could be that you're just mad at yourself? Like If, if somebody, if somebody, at the end of the day, I uh, I think, like even if I got into a car accident, it was 1,000% I think not my fault. In a way, I think deep, 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 deep in my brain. I'm like, no, it was my fault. How? Because maybe I could have been more aware maybe i could have stopped sooner maybe Listen, i was man, texting 2 and year
1: get killed in drive-bys okay the idea that everybody creates their own destiny with their imagination is kind of silly but people do think like that that it's your fault i've heard people say it there was a fucking documentary i don't I don't even remember the which one it was but one of those wacky metaphysical documentaries that was trying to say that everything in your life including all the diseases that people have everything is created by your own mind I'm like that is so Crazy yeah. and so dumb. Do you think that, like, someone who is born with like a, a mal shaped limbs was that their personal choice? No, like, that is so fucking dumb with what we know about biology. That's so fucking dumb that people would think that way. So there's you, a lot of random luck
2: involved in shit. So, I was gonna say, you think it's more luck, it's more random luck. Is you think there's that's that the too. energy,
1: but there's that too. Look, there's no doubt about it. Okay, if a fucking baby gets hit with a stray bullet, the baby did not will that stray bullet no, into its fucking body. I agree life, with you there, right? It's not yeah. the baby's choices that it shot in the crib. Yeah. There's, there's randomness to life. It just doesn't experience, you don't experience it every day. So you assume because you're aware of the patterns you do experience every day, like driving to work, I see a certain amount of things, I'm around a certain amount of things, all that shit ends if an asteroid hits. Boom! Back to cave people. Right. Instantaneously. Cannibalism. Instantaneously. Scratching and clawing to survive. Instantaneously right that that's a reality that can happen, and that's what we don 't think of because it hasn't, but right. we know it has that 's what's so fucked. We know it did kill the dinosaurs we're pretty sure this younger dry's impact theory is has got a lot of validity to it. It seems right. like it has a lot of evidence it points to it being one of the possibilities to killed off a giant percentage of fucking animals on this planet, yeah. and probably reset
2: civilization, yeah, we definitely are living extremely comfortable. Um, at this point in time. But my thing is when people say that, it's like, but what am I supposed to do? Like make believe to that I lived in the 1850s. Like I don't want to shit in a hole a mile outside my house. No, you don't have to do that.
1: It's just the understanding that this is all unknown. You, you right. can't think that it's your fault if we get hit with a fucking asteroid. Cause it's not. Right. There's a lot of randomness to this shit. Sure. There's a lot.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I think just, you know, not resisting is is a big thing. Just accepting anything and and limiting the resistance. I heard that I I follow that guy Saad Guru, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. He's always talking about that. Just stop resisting. Accept everything.
1: There's something to that for sure, but you know what else there's something to knowing that you're not going to figure this out just living your life and trying right. to do the best you can but knowing that you're not going to figure this out because no one has all the goddamn answers to this. No. And the people that come up with pretty good ideas like Saad Guru, like maybe some of the things that he says are wacky. You know, and then there's right. another guy that has some other interesting ideas but maybe uh, he sucks as a boss. You know, and yeah. there's another guy that says cool shit but, uh, you know, maybe uh, he lies about his last name. Like There's a lot of fucking oh. weirdness
2: to being a person. Well, in I was going to say and that and that I think is the slippery slope we're down now or at least we're down a little bit a year or two ago, when trying to, you know, go back in history and remove certain figures, it's like, wait a second, bad people do good things, good people do bad things. That's just the scope of being a human being,
1: right? But the problem is, you idolize someone if you put up a big statue of them. If we put up a big statue of Hitler and say, hey, he made some really good watercolors, yeah, like or he like, was a
2: vegetarian, right? Get the <laughs>
1: fuck out of yeah, here, you right? Can't do that. So when you have a statue of George Washington. And then you hear about the good stuff that George Washington did. Like what you were saying is his humility to pull out right. and, his, and his smart... But then you find out that his teeth were all slave teeth that he had pulled yeah. from his slaves and made into dentures. Yeah. And you're like, yo.
2: That's not good. That's not good. But I, but I, th- you know what's interesting too is because a lot of people are like, well you know, they didn't know any better with that. And then, bro, bro. But when you read the accounts, like, have you ever, did you ever read this 1776 book? No. It was fascinating because what I like is an author and what I've always liked uh, from an early age, I've always been like, ah, I'm learning history here in history class in my high school or grammar school in America from the point of view of an American. I want to learn from hist- America's enemies mm. what happened. And then I can kind of piece together in my own, because history is, is isn't even fact. It's all recounting tales and it's all telling a story. But- when the british got to colonial america they were on the floor astounded that there were slaves that was the thing that was disgusting them like british soldiers wrote they have a letter a letter of a british soldier writing back to his wife he's like i he was t- terrified of two things he goes one massachusetts the pure the most puritan puritanical place we had that was supposed to be the best people living in our country in, in that time all had slaves and he's like I, I can't even sleep at night that these people are enslaving other human beings because slavery was outlawed 100 years in England. Wow. And then he said, you know, another thing, and it's kind of crazy, and I this hit me, with german because you know the british hired you know mercenary hessian mercenaries german mercenaries he said they ran onto shore ran off the fucking boats and started killing american soldiers and cutting their faces off and taking things as and they were brutal he said brutal vicious and it's like not all germany but then it's like that country's history it's like you know all the way up to nazis and you're like oh maybe there is something in dna where like tribes act like tribes because they Even back then in the book, they were like, Hessians were fucking wild. Jesus Christ, I didn't know that story. Yeah, but that, and and then, but it was interesting because, you know, this soldier was saying, like, so what that argument of, Oh, they didn't know any better. It's like I think they did. I think back then they, it was just a business choice that was like all this stuff was just business, just like today we make business choices. I mean, they say again, I don't know, but they say that the most slaves that ever existed are right now in like yes. Saudi Arabia. That's what they say. I believe there's right?
1: more people enslaved today than during the time in when slavery was legal in America. But there's way more people on the planet, so it's like what is I don't know if the percentage is down but the number
2: is up but it's crazy how like slavery like it still even exists today in any shape open or
1: form. slave open. auctions in yeah. libya do yep. you see those on 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 the on youtube that
2: i haven't seen no it's
1: nuts well libya is a failed state right so yeah. when when libya fell apart there was fucking open slave auctions on wow. youtube you yeah. know, what's, what's really, because someone was filming it with their cell phone, what's really fucking crazy, dude, is if you think about like how horrific the people were that lived in the 1700s, yeah. then think Columbus was as many years ago from that yeah. as we are from the people in the 1700s. Yeah. That's what's fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. Columbus in the 1400s, yeah. when they landed in the Bahamas or wherever they, they landed... You know that they were 300 years more barbaric than the people in the 1700s
2: well dude and then things lose their meaning like you know like uh, i learned i went to charleston you know like you know like w- one of the greatest comedy movies of you know whatever the 2000s i would argue was knocked up that was like a great movie oh knocked up john apatow's knocked up yeah. and then i went to charleston and i went to the visit the slave market there and that you know where term knocked up comes from No. When a slave, a female slave, was pregnant with a child, her price was knocked up. So they would say, "She's knocked up," and that's why. Oh, I'm pregnant. I'm knocked up. Now it's like, ah, it's silly. Look at this kids' movie, knocked up, and it's like, just 200 years ago, you said that to someone. It was like, no, that's the most devastating thing I've heard. So, thing we get desensitized very, very quickly. Holy shit! Our brains adapt. I think. What do they say? Every 21 days, they you know, like you can just get over something and forget that that happened and that was bad and. You know, I mean, look. You know, just that
1: that knocked up fact is crazy. How
2: wild is that? That's why when I I, I saw like a lot of things getting canceled, I was like, I bet you, when is I bet you knocked up is gonna have to change your name. Knocked up. Well, it up, is knocked- now.
1: They're gonna hear it now <laughs> after this. Now, most people do. I don't. I didn't know that. I'm never gonna get into Jon Abatemmo now. you know that, Jamie? No, that's crazy. I hope I didn't make that well, up. Well, he probably didn't know it either. Well, no, I'm we'll, sure he we'll, didn't. We'll know. find out shortly. I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure Jamie's uh, googling yeah. it right now. Yeah, that sounds Something different. Like it makes sense. What'd you say?
0: It says. I'm trying to read it real quick. It says something different. Did I fuck That's it up? It's the second meaning. Well, let's see. There's a course. The slay awakens I- someone by knocking. The second meaning isn't wily. It's in America. It's still common in Britain.
2: At this slave mm-hmm. market, for sure, on this tour, they said that was where it came up from. Came the meaning when a woman gets pregnant, she's knocked up. That, well, maybe that it was it.
1: Uh, maybe it was a common expression before that, and then they added it to this: a woman being pregnant. With slavery, because it indicated the same thing that the price was knocked up, right? right? Like so, maybe knocked up. Like uh, how much are horseshoes? Oh, they've been knocked up. Like maybe it was normal, right, to say knocked up, and then it became knocked up with that, right, on top of or it. Or
2: like even even just um just a, a, a two years ago, one of a woman who I know, my, one of my mother's friends, who was working at a hospital for thirty years, and an employee came in like a new, a younger girl. Uh, my mom's friend is white. This girl happened to be black, and my the, my the, she goes, um, the woman who's been again working there thirty years. The girl asked a question, and it was like a she was like, "Oh, don't worry about it. We're gonna educate you." She goes, "You're gonna don't worry. We're gonna whip you into shape, and you're gonna be great." Oh Jesus! Fired, and I was like, even whip Whoa. you into shape. You Can't say that.
1: The Oxford English Dictionary traces the expression back as far as 1813 and says it's of an American origin. Oh, there you go. An OED citation from 1836 refers to slave women who are knocked down by the auctioneer and knocked up by the purchaser.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. This, for sure, this tour guide said it's because their price was knocked up. So maybe-
1: Mm, knocked down by the auctioneer. What does that mean, auctioneer? knocked up by the
2: purchaser, though? Is the
1: auctioneer the guy who does the, hey, somebody, somebody up, or or is, is that the person who, yeah, that's the auctioneer, right? That's yeah. not, Yeah. so the other person would just be what in the audience who's They're buying it? What, what are the they, purchaser? purchaser? Yeah. So it's knocked up by the purchaser? That's what it said? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense, right? So the auctioneer is the guy who's like, do I have 17? Do I have 17? Yeah. He says, I'll give you 20. Yeah. So that's knocked up. Knocked
2: up. Interesting. Well, it's still attached to slavery somehow. Yeah. Maybe I added the second part in to make it fit Makes more. Makes sense, though. Listen, it does
1: make sense. But then it doesn't make sense because then she wouldn't be able to work and she would have to take care of the kid. Well, no, you're getting two humans, though. Right, but but you won't for a long time. True.
2: Right. Listen, I, make this, I don't make the rules. Well, one of the I things fucking know.
1: Native Americans would do, unfortunately, when they kidnap people is uh, they would uh, accept children because those children could be integrated into society, right. but they would kill babies because they didn't want to have to take care of the baby. So the Comanches, when they um, <coughs> they there's this incredible book called Empire of the Summer Moon that details this woman. Um, I forget her name. Par- her last name is Parker, and she got kidnapped when she was nine years old by the Comanches, and they killed her mom. They killed everybody else. Okay, they, they, they took her because she was she wasn't an adult. They killed the adults, or you know, on rare cases, they would accept them and like take uh, a woman as a wife or something like that. But right. most adult males were just killed. Right. And then they also killed babies. But they would let children join the tribe because they had a hard time um, with women uh, keeping babies because uh, all the riding on horses yeah. they would have a lot of miscarriages. So they would. Just so they needed to keep their numbers high. So they would incorporate kids yeah. that they had kidnapped. I guess that into makes sense. Tribe.
2: I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I guess. You know, too, like in nature, like that's the thing is like, you know, I guess because we have conscious thought and all that, you know, humans get a bad rap. But like I saw a video once of this zebra that was giving birth. And I guess the father that had impregnated that zebra must have been killed in the course of the baby giving birth. And then the new male zebra came in. And as the baby's being born, the new male zebra is stomping its head to death because it's like, that ain't mine. I have
1: a friend out of here. who has that happen on his property out here.
2: Oh, wow. He's okay. got a
1: zebra in Texas, and he's like, I got a zebra that's a cunt. And he kills the other zebras, keeps killing the other yeah. zebras. And he's a, like a non viable older male. Yeah. And he has to kill the zebra yeah. cuz the zebra's killing the other zebras.
2: Yeah. That's another thing. Thank God we're not British, but then we'd have to say zebra. Zebra. I don't want yeah. to say zebra.
1: Well, they say Z too with Z. Shut up. A- they don't say A to Z. They say A to Z. A to Z. Like a Corvette ZR1 is a ZR1. ZR1. Well, you know ZR1.
2: You know what's another mm-hmm. thing I read which I thought was funny is that they some linguistic expert thinks that most likely the closest that like uh, colonial Americans sounded like was British. Uh, uh, was uh, Boston, Bostonians like really? the Bostonian accent right now, is is the closest. So just think about like founding fathers, just oh. fucking being like cocksucker. Well,
1: that makes sense because it's a terrible accent. Is it? It sounds awful coming out of women. Yeah, Even- eh, were well, you gonna fucking marry me or what, Krista Stefano? You think you're hot shit.
2: So even you being from, you're from Massachusetts, right? Even you don't like that accent. It's
1: gross. It's fun to go back and drink there, though. Like, uh, it's fun when you hear it, rather, if you're like hanging out with a bunch of drunk guys and they're talking in a Boston accent. Yeah. But I think um, there's other accents that are prettier. Like for a girl, right? If you hear a girl's accent, a girl from the South. Oh, my God. That's the best accent.
2: Honestly, I'll kiss anybody on the lips with a southern accent. <laughs> Male, female, trans, I don't animal, I don't care. There's something about so the accent. It's
1: lovely. It's yes. lovely. And there's something about it coming out of a girl's mouth. Like, why is that so hot? My friend,
2: born and raised in New York, would just could nail it. He was like as good as accents as like a Dan Soder. He would weekly, we would watch him do this. He would go out and become a British man ah. for the entire night and make believe he was British and hook up with girls all day, every day, with the British accent. Yeah, the British accent. And it's is strong. like, cr- you know. And I feel like if he did that now, though, like there would be like misrepresentation. You can't do that, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. illegal.
1: Yeah, yeah. You get sued, maybe even jailed. But if you yeah. go, <laughs> yeah. think about those fucking guys that are selling us stuff on late night TV, they yeah. all had
2: British accents. Yeah,
1: well, mops and shit, selling you weird mops. Well,
2: I I used to be um the job like my high school job with the guy like you know. You know, when you ten I worked at the US Open, the ten, USTA tennis center. And so like it's funny, like Roland Garros or Wimbledon or the Australian Open, they all pick the elite members of society's children. These are prestigious jobs. Where like USTA just picks like dirtbags from Queens and Brooklyn. Like it was just us, you know, no experience. We didn't even know tennis. We were like, fifteen love, what the fuck are you talking about? Like we had no idea. But it was a cool job. Like, we, you know, worked the grounds crew. We, I used to stack the towels in the men's locker room. Dude, I saw, like, I've seen everybody's dick. Roger yeah. Federer, Roddick. Everyone just walks around with a piece. One of my friends, he was stacking the ice on, it's called P1 through 7, practice course 1 through 7. And he started, like, flirting with, I think it was Serena Williams. She was 16 at the time. He was, like, 17. And they, he says he made out with her like behind like a dumpster or something like that during practice. I'm like, I don't know. We've never verified it, but he's a good looking kid. I was like, yo, it was, we used to see crazy shit. But one time I was sitting watching a match and this umpire, you know, up in his chair, like, you know, 15 love, 30 love like that, like prim proper gets down right off the, as soon as the match is over and is talking to his wife like he's like hey did you you know there's a gas in the car like he <laughs> he had a, he had a full new york gas. he was like what's up you you good what do you need you need sauce and i was like yo and i saw it with my own i saw it with my own eyes then wow. dude the usta was so funny one time i saw this was a u.s this was a u.s open sanctioned match okay was on one of the side courts so it wasn't on television this guy from belgium i forgot what his name was but i was the court attendant on the court he was getting fucking smacked like he was losing everything six love six love and then you know he was down whatever five love like he didn't score any points like nothing he calls a timeout in the middle of a u.s open sanctions match starts smoking a cigarette He starts smoking a full cigarette, just sitting there laughing, turning around, the crowd's laughing like, you know, nobody had video cameras on their cell phones yet. Just smoking a cigarette, because he knows he's getting fucking smacked. The guy, they, you know, carry on, the guy serves it, he doesn't even, he like fake whiffs at it and just walks off, because the match was over, and just walked off with cigarette smoke. I was like, yo, that guy is cool as shit. I was like, whoa. Yeah, something
1: about accents, right?
2: Yeah. There's something about it. It is weird how
1: some of them are better than others. They're just better. But people get stuck. It's like, who was the guy who originated the accent? Like, who deviated from New England and developed Brooklyn? Who deviated from Brooklyn and made Baltimore? Baltimore? Right. who deviated from baltimore and made you know the south north carolina south carolina how did what where there was has it to shift? be somebody that knows what was the i mean i wonder i mean if i was going to talk to noam chomsky i don't know if that's what i'd talk to him about but if i was going to talk to someone who's like a legitimate linguist i would say like what are the contributing factors that leads to a certain sound that that sort of encapsulates the way people talk in a specific region cuz california doesn't have anything California, if anything, has like a little bit of this. Mm -hmm. There's an uptalk, but that's like more tech than it is California. There's a way that people talk. There was a, was a, a time where I think more people have become so aware that it's so gross and fake that they don't do it as much anymore, but up-talk was a way that you could pretend that you were intelligent. Right. And you were part of this tribe of really intelligent, creative people. (laughs) You you know, like, you don't hear people talking like this. No, it's annoying now. And then, you know, saying they're Trump supporters. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's a very progressive, sort of tech-savvy up-talk Thing. It's
2: interesting with language because you would think many things and, you know, it took millions of years to evolve from not having a tail or mm-hmm. getting to these certain, but language changes quickly. Yeah. I mean, even now, I mean, the way we talked in 1940 is different than the sure. way we talk now. It, it, Say, fella. Yeah. Hello. I have to sock you. Yeah. It, we
1: had a gay old time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: All that stuff was yeah. like, you ever listen to like, see like people talk from like the 1800s, like an interview from like 18- I put a video
1: up on my Instagram. Oh, did you? Did you ever see it? No. It's from a woman who was born, I think she was born in the early 1800s. Okay. And then the video of her was from the early 1900s. So wow. she was like 80 something years old. See if you can find it. Jamie, it's um, a black and white video of okay. this lady, and it's really interesting because she kind of sounds like would you expect a woman who lived in the old West to talk like? Really? Like if you, yeah. Like, it, it's hard to say how much they got it right with like fiction. You know, when you're reading fiction and, and even when they're historical accounts, like, how accurate were they? I mean, yeah. how, how much did they bullshit? Because, like, how much today did they bullshit about stuff? Of course. Like, look, the fucking president of the United... The White House, I should say. The White House put a tweet out that talked about how when Joe Biden got into office, there was no vaccine. Well, that's not fucking true. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. Not yeah. only was it not true, but he was vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, He yeah. got He got vaccinated before he got into office, and millions of people have been vaccinated by oh, that. of course. So do. this lady, listen to this.
3: I'm trying to get on my feet again. Feel pretty good. Thankful it's as well as it is. Oh, boys, I'm pleased to see you. I don't know where you come from, but uh, I give you all the welcome I've got to offer you. And I want to tell you that I'm living on the same ground that I've lived on for 75 long years when I come here as an 18-year-old bride. I went to Washington 50 years, and a little more, ago. I saw all the people around there and been with the presidents. And uh, I learned a great many things up there that uh, I didn't know before. I'll add a little more to it. I was one of the Board of Lady Managers for the Chicago Exposition and I served my full time in, in Chicago and learned a good many things over there. I have been to, I was a delegate to the Tennessee Centennial Exposition. I was a delegate to St. Louis, uh, a juror at St. Louis. I think for a North Georgia cracker of my size and age, I've had a pretty good education on that line. That do all right? I was a three-year-old girl when the Indians were moved from this country to Indian territory. I have an indistinct recollection of seeing the red men as they went through the woods, for everything was woods nearly at that time. I have a a distinct impression if a three-year-old child can have it. Nevertheless, I've been here since that time and I've seen the march of progress all the way. At my, tra- at that time, there were, we had only stagecoaches, and we only had horses and buggies, and we had lots of footback travelers. Now I've seen it come along all this way, and our plane goes over this, over my house, going on its way, and it's got to be such a common thing. The old girl don't go even out to see if she can look at. it.
2: Isn't that wild? Oh, my God. Isn't that
1: wild? So it says she was born a little, She was born in 1835, and she was interviewed on camera in 1929. So this
2: girl, this lady was 15, 16 years old when the Civil War started. Like she, so she remet. That woman has memories, actual real memories of it. Yeah, that's wild. She's almost 100 Do you know, years old there. You know what's what something wild. I saw the other day? Do you know that the last person whose father fought in the civil war only died like three years ago (gasps) there was a guy who was alive who he the guy who just died lived to he was like a hundred his father fought in the civil war when his father was like 15 and had him when he was 84 something like that
1: oh my god and the guy
2: so there was a guy living three years ago whose father biological father fought in the civil war
0: holy fuck i was like that's sick Woman who died in twenty twenty who was the last recipient
2: of the Civil War pension. Wow. Holy shit. Oh my God. Holy shit. Dude, that's I mean it's why because why when you think about like all this stuff that we think is so long ago, it's not mm-hmm. really that long ago.
1: Well, I had a bit in my act, uh, in one of my specials, my last special, where I talked about people think the United States is old. I go, But the United States was formed in seventeen seventy six. People live to be a hundred. Well, that's three people ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's tr- Real. That's three people people ago. Ten people ago, Genghis Khan was running through China and lighting cities on fire. Ten Ten people people
2: ago.
3: ago.
1: Yeah,
2: less, really. If you, I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this. Probably they have. I'm a hack. Do you, do you, Bad Wolf, do you, if you could have any person in history on the pod, who would it be? Would it be somebody like a, a Khan?
1: I don't know, man. If it was only one person, I'd be like, I don't even know if I want to make that decision. Cause who the fuck I mean, who'd I choose? I feel like there's you so wouldn't have Jesus. People. You
2: wouldn't have Jesus.
1: Well, what if you found out that Jesus wasn't even real? They you say know, I'll have Jesus in the podcast and then you got him. There well, it is. There's well do no you Jesus. ever go
2: read like the accounts of Jesus where they there was like twenty other people in that thirty year span claiming they were Jesus? Like he, he was just one of many people at that time. They think like, you know, Christianity or the Bible just picked one.
1: It's possible. You know, I mean there's a there's a lot of speculation about – how many different versions of that exist like even thor right isn't thor like the son of odin yeah. and does it, doesn't there like some similarities in the story of thor to yeah. the story of jesus the problem is like these stories were all told in in oral tradition for like a thousand years yeah, before they even the, written down the
2: gospels i think the earliest gospel I, i'm i'm guessing was like matthew it was written like 50 years after Jesus lived. Like none yeah. of them, Ma- Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—they never lived with Jesus. Well, this is the
1: New Testament, right? And then you got to go with the Old Testament, where you're really into these stories that were uh, an oral tradition. The New Testament is weird because, like Constantine and a bunch of bishops decided. The what's Council in
2: of Nicaea—they just yeah. made it. They were like, "Hey, we're going to pick this, Imagine, pick that. This is what I think God said. I don't I know. think God said that, bro. Let's, let's I get rid of that." My mother's like, "You'll go to hell if you eat fish on Good fr- if you eat meat on Good Friday." I'm like, "But the Pope who decided that just ran a fish business." <laughs> that's the truth. He just ran a is business. is that really true? Yeah, he owned like a bunch of fish markets. So no! He was like, oh yeah, no meat Fridays. Because he makes more fucking money. That's really what it was? Yes. No. Yeah, well, Jamie ran Jamie out. Jamie just yeah. went to pee. Yeah, when no. When Jamie th- comes back. That's we literally. Need to Google that uh, That's the story that's I heard. fucking insane. How insane is that? Is when you look back, you're like, wait, Oh my what? God.
1: But it makes sense. You know, and the other thing about like priests being celibate. Like, why uh. are they so Because they were rock stars. They were fucking everybody. <laughs> everything. They were probably fucking everybody and everything. Cause they God told you to suck my dick. Yeah. Like, I, I fucking, That's what it is. You don't believe me? Yeah. They couldn't read the Bible. No. Most people were like, Illiterate and in when like reading Latin like who the fuck knows how to read Latin who, who the fuck knows what what that's saying So when Martin Luther came along and they gave like a phonetic Yeah version of the Bible that you could read and then told you to interpret it yourself Like figure out what God said yourself that it created a giant uproar. They almost right. killed him for
2: it, right? Yeah. No, I know. Well, even like the Old Testament, like, you know, if you would have told me two years ago, oh, you know, Noah's Ark, is it real? I'd be like, no way. But now I'm like, when you t- when you listen to these, you know, people talk about, well, there was a mass flooding and yeah. the ice polar caps. And all that. It's like it didn't happen like that. That's a story. But there probably were a lot of people just on fucking boats where their land got flooded. hundred percent. That's just real.
1: I think a hundred percent. I think there's probably a lot of civilizations that went under because of natural disasters, and if you're in a the the theory is that if you're in a regional area that experiences like a volcanic eruption and it killed like Pompeii or something like, but even before that, like even further back, thousand years before Pompeii. You don't no one has any i fucking idea what happened. Everybody's dead. Everybody's yeah. dead and you have stories that get passed yeah. on and no one's writing anything down.
2: Yeah, I saw I think it was the Instagram it might have been history before us. I'm not sure what Instagram account it was. I but it was one of these history Instagram accounts I follow and they had like um like a piece of uh I, I don't know what I, it's not paper, whatever the material it was. It was like in the Oh, age- oh wait a minute, stop. You yeah. gotta get Jamie to Google that before we forget. Oh, um what what, what were we talking about? The Oh, oh it, I see it no with uh fish yes. you know you can't eat you can't eat meat on good friday on fridays during lent or good friday and i think that story came about because when the the pope who was in charge whoever decided that 100 you know 500 years ago owned a fish market and that's why he did it, it was a business decision so i don't know how to google that because i don't know the names
1: <laughs> that's a lot of action yeah. but I, I bet that'll come up yeah it, it totally makes sense yeah and all, as it makes sense with the celibacy thing like, of course they had to be celibate
2: yeah yeah, and it's 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 very unnatural. It's like, why would you choose the hardest thing to abstain from, right. sex? It's like, yeah, of right. course you're going to go fuck outside of it, or the fucking well, no, the well, kid yeah. thing, I don't know.
1: Well, it's horrific, but yeah. how how come this one group, Catholics, are the ones that
2: have to abstain, but the Baptists are allowed to have sex? Well, so it's it's does, ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't I'm sure there's sense. something in history, though, that talks, I'm sure that there's some reason why they did that. Yeah. Yeah, when, maybe and, the guy in charge at that point didn't. He wanted to get all, keep all the pussy for himself. Maybe the king, his wife, got fucked by one of the priests. Hundred
1: percent. Like, oh, you think you're cute? Okay. No oh. more sex. I just talked to God. A thousand percent. Got new
2: rules. But I was saying that the 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 Egyptian uh, thing I saw. There, piece, there's oh, something here we go. to. I was trying to read through this a lot to read. See, to, but there's the something f- to it. The fishy <laughs> tale behind eating fish on on Friday. So the the title
1: is uh, Lust, Lies, and Empire: The Fishy Tale Behind Eating Fish on Friday. And so it says here... Does it's it, a long piece. Long. But it was a powerful but medieval it seems pope. Like it. it Something was
0: pope. happened in the 1500s, <laughs> and it says say at some point here it was a political thing to be eating fish.
2: Oh, it was King Henry VIII times.
0: Nice. That'd be a guy. like Something then got reinstated in 1960. He'd be the guy.
1: Would you want to interact with him or would you want to just be around and watch as like a silent, invisible observer? That's what I would want.
2: See, a lot of people want to go for fat fuck King Henry VIII. I'd like to see jacked and shaped King Henry VIII. I want to see that guy.
1: Oh, he's probably a fuck. But imagine how cruel those people were. Like how many people they killed that just like they didn't like the way they looked at them. Yeah, it was but like
2: they, ants to them. Just kill them all. Well, and then it's crazy he's killing all these women, and he's the one that's determining the sex.
1: Well, what's crazy also is that when you're talking about people that lived back then, they're essentially serial killers, but their serial killers are at the throne. Yes. So it's wild. So like, yeah, yeah. like what you're talking about, Richard Ramirez or Henry Lee Lucas or fucking any of these serial killers that we know of. That's what the fucking king was. Yeah. The king was a goddamn thrill killer.
2: Yeah, that's all he did. They yeah. were serial That was the son of Sam, just with a
1: crown on. With a crown on. Imagine the son of Sam being the king of England.
2: He probably thinks he's the king of England in jail. <laughs> Those... <laughs> Uh, dude, we gotta end this. It's uh, got, almost five o'clock. What? How many? Hour, how long did we make? More than three hours. Did we make it more than three hours? That's all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My did. comic buddy said that's how you know as a comic if you had a good episode. If you have to make three hours, if not, was you suck. Great. It was great. Good. It was great. All right, it was so we great. made it three hours. I didn't fail, mom.
1: I'm sure we pissed a lot of people off with the anxiety talk and, oh, and yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, but hey, well, hey, know.
2: I'm not on Twitter, so. Well, I am, but I, I don't just see hide it. from them.
1: Yeah, I just want to be clear that I'm not trying to diminish people's uh, mental health. I just always wonder, like, what's the cause of it? And I wonder how much of it is biological and how much of it is yeah. just patterns of behavior. Because I think there's two fa- There's Obviously, there's a lot of factors. But those two ones are big ones. Yeah. You know, like, how much of it is just something you're born with and how much of it is um, what you've experienced?
2: Well, it's crazy that you even have to – we both even have to say that now. It's like that's what stifles creativity yeah, but learning it, the most. It doesn't
1: like. necessarily stifle it. It's just you have to be clear. Right. You know, you just have to be clear. And we, we're, clear, but we're so, it's so far apart. We're from just which, trying to learn. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like people are also looking for things to talk about. And when you talk about it, just like if someone on The View says something stupid, I'm going to talk about it. The Amber Heard yeah. trial. Yeah. The Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial. I mean, it's so stupid. I'm talking about it all the time. Oh, we should probably leave on this. Did you see that she got busted talking about a, having a uh, bruise kit? Did you see Amber that? Amber Heard? Yeah. If she
2: that. was Puerto Rican, I would be all into that she had a tattoo on her tent. i like crazy girls yeah but shit in the bed is crazy though that's 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 next level crazy that's pretty wild
1: it's all pretty wild um god damn it who did i send it to i have to find who i sent it to oh i know who i sent it to um it's just it's so nutty that that this is uh being aired out in front of everybody Uh, is
0: it before is it a video there's some video going around that's not i just looked it up apparently it's been edited
1: well, when she says she found she had a bruise kit, that's not that's edited.
0: All I'm saying, what's is, a look, bruise there's kit? There's a fact check going around on Newsweek. Did oh. what she does leave it a bruise say? kit in a photo? In no, a, no, no. It's not. Oh, she, well, said. I'm sorry. No, she, she, she I'm I know.
1: but she says. Asking. I'm asking. Okay, okay. I'm not sure either, but she said bruise kit. That's why. Um,
0: Heard's quote: "Bruise kit comment sparked conversation among TikTok users, a number of whom asserted that bruise kits are usually used to apply the appearance of bruises right. rather than cover them up."
1: Um, but she corrects herself. is it why it was it's weird here. What was edited?
0: As the second long video comes to its conclusion, it was further edited to add Heard referring to her makeup palette as a bruise kit before correcting herself. Wow. Footage later cut to a breakdown of what is believed to have been the palette. So I just make I. Yeah. Don't know if this is what was seen or.
1: That's one. Is that the same one I sent you?
0: I didn't check that you sent me something
1: yet. Hold on. I think that's the same one I sent you. Hmm. And they're wow. making, just like, what a, a bruise kit is apparently a thing that they use in makeup to make it look like you've been bruised. It looks like it's uh, what, what? Why would either one of them out, that's, do so th- this,
2: though? Why even well, go through this
1: public trial? Well, he's doing it because she wrote a, an op-ed, which turns out she didn't even write the op-ed. Someone from the ACLU says they ghostwrote the op-ed. And the op-ed was about her being a domestic abuse survivor. And so that made Johnny Depp unemployable because it made it look like Johnny (laughs) Depp was beating people up. And that's how he got fired from the Pirates of the Caribbean, that and also the fact that he lost another lawsuit in the U.K. But I feel like this is even making him,
2: even if he comes out on top, it's making him more unemployable. Because wouldn't you be like, I don't even want to deal with this guy?
1: I don't think so. I think, um, if anything, it shows that there are manipulative people of both sexes and that a person who's a good guy who happens to have a penis... Uh, could get railroaded by a woman who's just completely full of shit. And one of the things that you see in cross-examination, just these stories, they don't make sense. Like she's talking like a crazy person. And the vast majority of people that are watching do not believe her. Yeah, they do I, not believe. Yeah. it, so that's good for Johnny. That's good because for all these years she's been this beautiful girl that says that Johnny, who does a lot of coke and likes to drink, was beating her up. I'm like, well, that's what people who do a lot of coke and drink do. Yeah, but it turns out then there's recordings of her talking and admitting to yeah. beating him up.
2: Yeah, and yeah, how that's she not cut good. the
1: tip of his finger off, and then you know, there's a lot. There's a lot. Imagine Johnny Depp has to start a Patreon. He's fine. That's not the problem. The problem is he's trying to clear his name. And yep. he's trying to do it and make a point. And yep. it's crazy that he has to do this. I know. But it's it's crazy that he's willing to do this, too. I agree with you. Like, yeah. It's like it's nuts. We've never seen it before. But do you know anybody that's ever been railroaded like this before, this bad?
2: Railroaded or, like Where that? someone
1: pretends that they were the victim <laughs> and they were really the abuser. Dude,
2: that- what happened was, I, I don't know about that specific thing, but my boys, I wasn't there. My boys went on a bachelorette, bach, uh, bachelor party to Nashville. And one of my friends hooked up with a girl- Just, ran, you know, bachelor, bachelor party, random in Nashville, right? Next morning, doesn't, you know, barely knows her even, you know, but all consensual, all good. Not even that drunk. Like, they just hooked up. Everybody saw them. The bachelorette party saw this girl kindling with him and blah, blah, blah. Next morning, wakes up cops from the police department, bringing him in for rape. And he was like, "What? what? And they were like, accusations, this, that. He goes has to hire you know gets out has to hire an attorney before the court before it even gets to the trial like this man like his whole like you have to understand how much this consumed him because he did not do this we all know he didn't do it even her own friends knew he didn't do it this missing link was she was engaged and the guy found out that she fucked somebody the night before Mm. because she drunk texted or something whatever the story was and then went right to that and then so i'm not saying that you know what, what that's just one specific story but i saw it. he was like dude i'm gonna like he almost like he was i want to say close because if someone says they kill themselves i don't i don't know when they actually do it but he was like in the group text being like i can't handle this like i did not do this and then out of nowhere her lawyers called his lawyers and was like she's call, she's calling it off like we're calling it off and uh just it's over like like that and i was like wow like out of fucking nowhere that happened. Now that's a random crazy fucking person. And so there's no repercussions either, which is Zero. really wild. So yeah. someone
1: can make a false ap- accusation that completely turns your life upside down and ruins you and also has you labeled. Like yeah. the people that knew the accusation maybe don't want to hire you because what if it's true? And what if the woman was intimidated or paid off?
2: Yeah. Dude, I fucking bombed a corporate gig 3 nights ago because in the front row there was a a a, a, a it was mostly white rich people and there was a uh, like a like a I think he was a gay guy black gay guy in the front row and he kept cutting me off he was like you racist motherfucker he just kept calling me racist and I was like what are you talking about I'm not I was like I'm not racist I try to do bits I was like I know I got a cop head and whatever but I'm a good guy and I kept trying to say I was like I have a bit about having a Puerto Rican kid I was like I got a Puerto Rican kid he was like just because you talk about Day in Puerto Rico it doesn't mean you're not a white motherfucker you all kill you kill my people that's what he kept saying and nobody knows what to do I don't this know this is a corporate this gig this is a corporate gig in the front fucking row so I am bombing like you can't believe it. and then I finally said I said dude the only way in 2022 I can get out of this being a white man and you being a, a black man is if I get on my knees and start sucking your cock which I'm willing to do and I thought that would get a laugh that fucking bombed <laughs> So so I <laughs> so I <I've>, I finally <laughs> Oh my god, I wish I was there. Yeah, so I finally say to the guy who's running the event in the middle of the show. I said, "Hey, Mike, I said uh, did the money? Did you guys wire the money already to the agency or like am I getting checked of the show?" He goes, "No, we wired it already." Put the mic in the center and said, "Have a good night, folks. That's very nice of you." Now, what did it start off good? was it ever good? Um no. Started would, off sucky. It started off. It no, no, no. I wouldn't say it started off sucky. You know, as you know, corporate gigs are hard gigs. Yeah,
1: but to isn't be, it you know, amazing that someone could be confident enough that they could do that and interrupt a show? Yeah, and yell shit like that out at you, and no, they're not going to get fired for that. Zero.
2: Well, that's what no I. fear. S- well, e- even I even said to him, I said, I said, I said, anything I said just got it kept getting worse and worse me. I said to the guy who was heckling, I said, because there was a head guy, a boss, and I was like, do you, Do you work for for this? for this man he goes why can't I be a partner why do I have to be an employee because I'm black I was like literally no I was like I'm genuinely just trying to get out of this fucking alive you know like I was like but it was like one of those and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and nobody was laughing especially the rich white millionaires oh were like we can't they even can't. touch this they
1: can't touch it they can't howl at that and
2: I was like fucking shit and dude it was one of those <laughs> things where I just <laughs> left and I was like what am I doing the what one, one corporate gig I did I, uh, I I did a corporate gig for Steve Cohen the owner of the Mets who's actually a fucking great guy and it was like his 60th birthday party or something like that and he he like his wife did it like as a surprise and it's like some 60 year old billionaire doesn't want to see me doing comedy they either want to see seinfeld or strippers like they don't know who i am i have a podcast you know and they and and uh and i'm doing the show fucking bombing tommy (laughs) Tommy Mottola was there, you know, and I'm bombing, and then, dude, first of all, somebody threw a crab cake at me, hit me right off the chest in the middle of the show, I was like this, I was standing at the edge of a table, it was eight guys at a table, just at a table, no microphone, pure daylight, in the middle of the pandemic, nobody said anything, the guy, this guy was like introducing me, he was like, yeah, who threw a crab cake at you? Some fucking guy, I don't know, and then it started laughing. (laughs) And then, and then Tommy Mottola, I, I was like, oh, the, Tommy Mottola, I said, uh, I said um, you know, I was a big fan of your ex-wife, uh, Mariah Carey. Um, I said I had a lot of posters up in my locker room. He goes, I bet you have a lot of fucking pictures of cock up too. And I was like, yes. And then, you know, that got like a big laugh. And then finally, I'm like maybe 10 minutes into what was supposed to be a 30-minute set and Steve stops me. He goes, how about this? He goes, What did my wife tell you to do? I said, 30 minutes. He goes, I'll give you twice the money right now to do five more minutes. Just do five minutes, but give me your five best minutes, and I will double your money right now. And then I just fucking st- stuck in and I just <laughs> I did that Letterman set. I may believe I was in that big fucking suit. John Travolta was there, had his hand on my chest, and I just did that set and he doubled the money. Really? Yeah, right then and there. Just And then you got off stage. Then I got off stage and then he became kind of like, like – his son was there who's like listened to the podcast or whatever. He's a great guy. Shout out Josh. They had me go to Mets game. They, I still go to – I'm like friends with them now, which is – they're amazing people. It's a rain delay in the first game after – first time I saw Steve Cohen again since I bombed. It's a rain delay. Steve goes – uh why don't you get up on the mic and start doing comedy for City Field, who's sitting there in a rain delay. Angry Mets fans that were losing there just got knocked out of the playoffs. They give me a microphone in the fucking booth like the uh, newscaster's booth. And I'm doing now. He goes, just start doing comedy, like make the people laugh. And I'm tr- I'm, now I'm bombing, but th- at least that one I couldn't hear because I'm just in a newscaster's booth <laughs> just eating shit. So you can't even hear the laughs well, no, or lack of? Nothing, but my friends, thank God I have great friends like this, my friends who are dire Mets fans at every Mets games, were recording me bombing <laughs> on the outside, and they graciously gave me that.
1: Chris Stefano, you're a funny motherfucker. Thank you for a having lot me, of fun. My friend. I had a good time. It was I, a lot of
2: fun. I appreciate it, brother.
1: Uh, tell everybody where your podcast is,
2: uh, social media, all that stuff. So, chrisdcomedy.com for everything. I got the Christy Chaos podcast on Tuesdays. Hey, babe, with my great friend Sal Volcano every Thursday. And then uh, patreon.com slash comedy where I feel my best content is. And I'll be in uh, Providence in July. And... Uh, Brea Improv at the end of August and I got a bunch of dates coming up for the fall
1: and Specially Weshy is oh. available on Netflix
2: on Netflix self produced 15 minutes
1: of it on YouTube
2: will be on YouTube and then another 10 minutes is going to come at patreon.com slash Christy Comedy next month I, I didn't give All Netflix right. everything baby I'm trying to do this shit the new way alright bits and pieces beautiful alright It was a lot of fun thank you, thank you. bye everybody